at sacredheartradio.com. Friday the 10th of November, the Feast of St. Leo the Great. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O wisdom of God, through you all things were made. Remake the human race in God's own image. O wisdom of God, you are the light by which we see. Shine on the paths we are to walk this day. O wisdom of God, you are the truth by which we live. Pour out upon us all the gift of true discernment. O wisdom of God, you speak through all the wise. Make wise all who study, preach, and teach your word. O God, our Father, you inspired in St. Leo an abiding love for your word and sacraments. Through his intercession, continue to nourish your people from this fountain of life, rising from the heart of Jesus Christ, our rock, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. St. Leo the Great pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Friday morning. I know that uh, there are probably a few less listeners this morning because today is actually a federal holiday, believe it or not, uh, because Veterans Day, which traditionally falls on the 11th of November, um, since that's a Saturday, it got moved to the Friday this year. So happy Veterans Day to you all. Uh, Normally it lines up with tomorrow's Feast of St. Martin of Tours, but here we go. And speaking of which, since it is Veterans Day, we're going to talk to Dr. Mark Matoza from the Archdiocese of Military Services, uh, Archdiocese for the Military Services, about uh, some of the ways that he is uh, trying to implement uh, research and uh, pastoral sensibilities so that uh, veterans suffering from trauma can get healing through the sacraments. It's a fascinating conversation. Looking very much forward to talking to Dr. Matoza. Stephanie Mann will be with us as well. Dr. Matthew Bunsen will talk about Pope St. Leo the Great, and we'll look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings with Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Northern Gaza is under heavy bombardment by Israeli forces who claim to be targeting Hamas militants. Four hospitals were reportedly bombed overnight, though, resulting in what appeared to be multiple casualties. The Hamas Health Ministry says one of the targets was a hospital where thousands of displaced Palestinians have been sheltering. Israel's military says Hamas operates a command center at that hospital, including entrances to its tunnel network and has ordered the hospital to evacuate. Pope Francis said tragedy is unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived as he met yesterday with members of the equestrian order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. We are sadly witnessing Pope Francis says a tragedy unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived, where he taught us through his humanity to love, to forgive, and to do good to all. And instead, the Holy Father warns, we see them torn apart by tremendous suffering that affects so many innocents. Above all, so many innocent are dead. With these words, Pope Francis expressed his sorrow for the situation in the Holy Land. 
The Holy Father reaffirmed the Order's members his spiritual closeness to them, acknowledging that they live their consultation, sharing the great sorrow of the Mother Church of Jerusalem and imploring the gift of peace. The Pope extended his sentiments of gratitude and esteem to all the members of the Order scattered throughout the world. He recalled that they gather in Rome for their consultation and to discuss the important theme of formation. The Pope urged them to let the crucified and risen Christ embrace their work in life through charity, prayer, and service to others. He called on them to be attentive to the realities in which they operate, always focusing on the integral well-being of the human person. The Holy Father called on them to be an order which, strong in its own identity, participates in the mystery of charity in the most beautiful way. This, he said, can be lived out through educating children in schools and in concrete solidarity with the most fragile, such as the elderly, the sick, and refugees. Concluding, the Pope prayed for those suffering from the tragic events happening in the Holy Land. May the Virgin Mary, the Holy Father, prayed, invoked by you with the title Queen of Palestine, assist you always in your mission. From my heart, he said, I bless you, and I bless all the members of the Order and their families. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The Sisters of Life are declaring victory after the state of New York agreed to abide by a court order saying it cannot demand access to the religious order's sensitive internal documents. The Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty defended the sisters after the state passed a law in June of 2022 that targeted life-affirming pregnancy centers for government investigation. Sister Mara Stella, Vicar General of the Sisters of Life, said, quote, We are grateful for this victory, which protects our right to continue to uphold and defend the beauty and strength of women. Fewer than 7 million people watched the third Republican presidential primary debate on Wednesday. Brian Shook reports. NBC News's broadcast of the debate garnered roughly 6.8 million viewers. Wednesday's audience was down from the 9 million people who watched the debate last month and the 12.8 million that watched the first debate on Fox News. The fourth Republican primary debate will be held on December 6th in Alabama. I'm Brian Shook. And NASA's oldest living astronaut, Frank Borman, has died. He was 95 years old. NASA said in a statement that he died Tuesday in Montana following a stroke. Borman commanded two of NASA's early missions, including the first, to orbit the moon. May he rest in peace. Today is Friday, November the 10th. It is the feast of Pope St. Leo the Great. Much more on him a little later this hour with Dr. Matthew Bunsen from EWTN and the Doctors of the Church series. St. Leo the Great, pray for us. Dr. Mark Mortoza joins us next. It's six past. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child 
What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. We're headed into Veterans Day weekend. It gets moved to a Friday this year uh, because it is a federal holiday. And joining us now is Dr. Mark Matoza, Vice Chancellor for Evangelization for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. So uh, I want to talk about this warrior ethos and moral injury uh, presentation that you've done. Uh, and I think this is a topic that's close to lots of our hearts. Uh, lots of us know people who have served. Lots of our listeners have served. Uh, what were you trying to explore uh, in this regard? That uh, particular presentation was given to all the Catholic chaplains in the Archdiocese for the Military Services, and it was an attempt to really help them connect with some language about what it means to have uh, to deal with these experiences of a soul wound. So in a high-stakes situation in military settings, whether that's in a deployed experience or military training or experiences of military sexual trauma, all these different uh, types of experiences uh, that uh, contradict deeply held moral expectations. So the idea really was to equip the chaplains, the priests who serve our faithful, um, to accompany those who have invisible wounds. We know a lot about post-traumatic stress. Uh, but moral injury is a different kind of experience since post-traumatic stress is, uh, deals, deals with a fear-based experience, something that happened to you. Moral injury is something that either you were ordered to do something that goes against what you believe or you yourself did something in a high-stakes situation that you later come to, to realize was a transgression that you feel deep guilt uh, or shame for. And I would imagine that some of these there was no time to think uh, in, in a lot of these situations, and there's been plenty of time to think since, and that's uh, where some of this moral injury comes from. That's correct. I think in post-traumatic stress, often it's not until someone has come back from a deployment and has, and has had several months where those uh, images which your body has kind of separated and stored in different parts of your brain and, and psyche slowly start to resurface. The same is true for moral injury because uh, moral injury is kind of coded in the same way. Your body feels that it's an attack on the body, and it's trying to help you deal with it in a slow process. So, so you're right to say that in the heat of the moment, it's, it's very difficult um, to deal with it all at once. Well, and I think, too, uh, that this is all the more highlighted by conflicts going on with Russia and Ukraine, with Israel and Gaza, where social media has just made it to where everyone on any side of any conflict can just air all the horrible things that the other side has done just by, you know, publish them to Facebook. And that would, I mean, if I were in the military, an active duty person, I would just be, I would be in a moral just kind of head game constantly by watching all the ways that people are sort of catching these horrible things that are happening in the course of war, I mean, it, it's impossible for me to process what must go through the mind of someone in active duty. But that's an interesting point because if you think about it, many people who serve uh, don't reveal the traumatic experiences that they went through, often because they don't want to bring war home. And now you're noting with social media, war is coming to, to us uh, on our mobile screens uh, here in our comfortable lives, right? So, so, so there's really kind of a paradox here 
But those glimpses don't really give the full effect of what happened or what someone is dealing with over time. So while we might say we, we've seen what's gone, gone on there, it's better for us to really listen to the experience that someone had when they're ready to reveal it rather than pushing and saying, I can't believe that I saw this. You must have experienced that a lot, right? So instead of pushing someone into that, our accompaniment is really to walk with somebody and listen to them when they're ready to share that experience that's healthy for them. Well, I know that you're you're trying to understand this in the in the light of the sacraments, and of course, confession uh, is certainly one of those sacraments that I have regular recourse to. Uh, but when it when it comes to some some of these questions, I imagine that it's very helpful to have not just the Catholic Church's clear teaching on what is and is not a grave evil, but also the the Church's sort of pastoral understanding of culpability when it comes to these questions. I imagine that that's a big part of this conversation. I think it is. I, I think because really what we're trying to help people understand is to realize that they, that in, in all these experiences, they were never alone, that the community of faith was with them, that Jesus was with them. But oftentimes they feel a dissonance in their experience, and um, they feel separated from themselves, from the community of faith, and from God. So when that happens, uh, in the early church when that happened, um, the elders of the church were called to those who were sick, and they would surround the, the sick person. They would pray for them. They would uh, anoint them with oil, bringing those uh, dissonant experiences back together, so creating the physical experience of a reconnection with the community, with God, and helping them to identify themselves as a worthy person. Right now, in our uh, individual secularized society, everything that we deal with from health or mental health experiences is done in isolation. So you have people who have trained together in the military who have done everything in community now on their own trying to process through this. And I think this is a place where the healing sacraments can bring a recognition of the communal experience of faith and of healing and of reconnecting to the Lord that is really needed. Well, and I think about it, and I've known a handful of people over the years in my world who have been like, well, I don't know, I'd rather not do college. Maybe I'll just go into the military. You know, I've known a few people like that, but most of the people I know who have gone in the military did so for reasons that are not completely dissimilar to the reasons that I, the people I know who went into ministry did so. They wanted to serve something greater than themselves, right? They wanted to do something meaningful. They wanted to... Uh, you know, make a difference, show an allegiance, um, you know, have some kind of element of service to what they did. And so to have these kinds of things, and this happens in church work too, where you realize that there's some kind of a mess that you've gotten yourself into and the idealism is like shot to pieces, right? And so you've got to reckon with, well, with, with reality, with morality, with meaning, with a lot of that stuff. Right, and that's, that's why it's helpful to have an opportunity to, uh, to be accompanied, right, to have someone who is going to listen and in some ways even listen through the cracks of the experiences that someone had. Because our, our body has uh, experienced uh, moral injury as an attack, sometimes when we're trying to put that story back together, it doesn't come out in a linear fashion from, you know, A to Z. So uh, helping to listen to that story and help, helping the individual to piece it back together slowly uh, and then making connections with Scripture uh, and with the recognition that the church is always uh, present to those who, who are wounded, 
and uh, and need healing, that, that's really important for them. And so it's an affirmation of the, the courage that they experienced to go and serve and to serve with others who brought even more courage as they, they worked together to do things that no one person could do on their own. And then really trying to help them identify that courage. And there's actually even a prayer in the communal anointing of the sick that seeks fresh courage, and that's the title I use in my dissertation from that prayer. Uh, how do we help those um, who have struggled? And not everyone who has served in the military or has been in a deployed setting is experiencing post-traumatic stress or moral injury, but some do. So how do we help those um, who need it identify and find that fresh courage that they need to have a forward momentum and a new purpose in life? We're talking with Dr. Mark Matoza, Vice Chancellor for Evangelization for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. And uh, Dr. Matoza, before we let you go, I, I know that there are many of our listeners out there who have served, and maybe some of them are going through the kind of thing that you're describing right now. Uh, if you could, like, where would you steer them for assistance and support? I think uh, finding uh, first connecting with the church community, even though uh, you may not feel worthy, the Lord was with you in every single moment uh, of your experience. And, and uh, those who, who feel uh, not worthy should remember the prayer that we say before communion, that none of us feel worthy to receive the Lord, and yet the Lord uh, accepts us and heals us where we are. So trying to find a community uh, that will help welcome them. The, the veterans, Department of Veterans Affairs is actually looking to create parishes and, and, and church communities that would create welcome centers. So if there are some of those in your area, that would also be a good, good place to connect to. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Mark Matoza from the Archdiocese for the Military Services. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a happy Veterans Day. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for your ministry. All right, we're back with headlines right after this. It's 17 minutes past the hour. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. 
The most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. On Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Father Joseph and Doug Keck mind decades of phone calls answered by Mother Angelica. No subject is off limits and no problem too big for the wisdom and compassion of the one and only Mother Angelica. Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Sunday afternoon, 2 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 19 past, here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Pope Francis has said tragedy is unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived, as he met yesterday with members of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem. The Sisters of Life are declaring victory after the state of New York agreed to abide by a court order saying they cannot demand access to the religious order's sensitive internal documents. And the world's largest bank has been hit by a cyber attack. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It is the feast of Pope St. Leo the Great, but Veterans Day, which is kind of strange because Veterans Day normally falls on the feast of St. Martin of Tours. Although Leo is kind of, you know. You can see the connections. I mean, he went up against he faced the Huns down the Hun. and the Vandals and defended Rome from them. So, I don't know. It's kind of a cool day to remember our veterans. I mean, really, you could do like a like a whole weekend out of it. Like a, I got to figure out whose feast day would normally be on the 12th. I don't have it in front of me. But if you could make like a, a veterans triduum out of it. Oh, neat. I don't know. So, Let's see who we have. Are you looking? You're yeah. looking. We're, All Dominican Saints. All Dominican Saints. And Josephat Kunchevich. I'm sure we could find out a connection if we had more than four seconds. <laughs> it's 21 minutes past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio family, asking you to give us $75 a month is a lot to ask. But the fact is it costs $150 every hour of the day for us to operate. Now, with underwriting paying for half of that, if it's possible to give $75 a month, thank you. But we're grateful for whatever you're able to donate. And to do that or find out more about underwriting, visit SacredHeartRadio.com. And to get even more listeners, tell everyone about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one. Theabrasiveone.com. Theabrasiveone.com. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, 
Visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Stephanie Mann. She has a blog called Supremacy and Survival, and it's got a title that it shares with a book she wrote called Supremacy and Survival, How Catholics Endured the English Reformation. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Matt. All right, so we got a couple of really interesting stories. Uh, A pair of brothers. Why don't we start with the martyr? Because it's hard to understand the story of the other brother without understanding the story of the one who was martyred. So tell us about St. Edmund and his story. St. Edmund... Edmund Jennings is one of the 40 martyrs of England and Wales, and he was a convert to Catholicism when he was about 16 years old. He was serving in a household of a Catholic gentleman, and he joined the Catholic Church, and then he decided to leave England uh, and study for the priesthood. So he went off to uh, the uh, continent, studied for the priesthood, came back to England when he was about 23 years old as a Catholic priest. And he decided to look up his family. That They lived in uh, Litchfield in uh, Staffordshire. And he went to see how his family was doing, found out most of them were dead. And he had a brother left named John, and John had moved to London. So Edmund, Father Edmund went off to London to try to locate his son, his, his, excuse me, his brother. There seems to be he had the intention of trying to bring John himself to the Catholic Church. And he met his brother, and he kind of hid his identity and said, do you, have you heard anything about your brother Edmund? Uh, I'm from Litchfield, you know. And uh, John said, yes, I have heard about him. He's a traitor to his country and to God. He's become a Catholic and become a priest and following the Pope, and I want nothing to do with him. So Edmund decided, well, this is not a good time to try to convert my brother to Catholicism. And he left him with kind of a, a, a saying that... Uh, well, I think Edmund's trying to get in touch with you, so look for a message from him. At least this is the way that Father uh, Bowden tells the story. I've, I've seen some variations of it. So Edmund was then subsequently at one at some time arrested while he was at St. Swithin Wells, a layman's house, saying Mass, and he was arrested, and he was brought to trial and condemned for being a priest and therefore sentenced to death by hanging, drawing, and quartering. And his execution was particularly brutal because Richard Topcliffe was there and he wanted him to really suffer. Yeah, Topcliffe so, was one of those then guys. We he was to, like a notorious uh, priest hunter yes. and torturer, right? Yes. He, w- he was kind of a, a professional torturer of the Elizabethan era. So Edmund suffered in this terrible way. And then John later heard of it. So uh, we can get to that it, uh, in just yeah. a moment. But I do think yeah. it's interesting – uh, the the way the sort of the the last words of Saint Edmund Jennings uh, at the hands of Topcliffe are really like an interesting insight yes. into this whole process because he was being as he was being butchered the the as it as it uh, is described he cried out Saint Gregory pray for me and the hangman said his heart is in my hand and yet Gregory in his mouth so that again that bravery and that spirit and the unity that the uh, those Catholic priests felt with the the church, even as they suffered uh, martyrdom for for the unity of, of of the Christian Church. So yes, it is. It's a wonderful uh, example again of that fortitude that we so often see among the forty martyrs and the other martyrs. So let's go back and find his brother John, right. who, when last we yes. saw him in this story, had heard his brother was a papist and a priest and said, you know, what a traitor to the crown. So what happens to John after the martyrdom of his brother Edmund? 
Yes, and, and Father Bowden describes it. First, he's, he's happy to hear that his brother has been executed because uh, knowing that, that he had met his brother, he realized he was going to try to convert me. He was still going to work on me, and now I don't have to hear him and, and see him and, and uh, feel that burden of, of uh, response to him. I don't have to argue with him. And then one day, it, it, in fact, the, the terms are that he had been, spent a day in sport and jollity. I don't know if he's playing tennis or, or rugby or what, but Hunting he realized. Foxes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and the foxes. or He wasn't playing football. We know that. But he, he said he was weary with play, and he went home. And then all of a sudden, he began to realize, I'm wasting my time. My brother didn't waste his time. He's 16 years old. He went off, became a priest, served God the way he thought he should serve God, was was true to his faith as, as he found it. He abandoned the worldly pleasures, endured those intolerable torments, and then he thought, and I'm just spending my time having fun. And then realized, all of a sudden he realized this terrible contrast between their two lives. Uh, he said one was fearing sin, the other spent in self-indulgence and in every kind of vice. And so finally he wept bitterly and he besought God to show him the truth. And the words that Father Bowden quotes are, in an instant, joy filled his heart with a tender reverence for the Blessed Virgin and the saints, of whom he had scarcely heard, and he longed to be of his brother's faith and gloried in his eternal happiness. So he left England, went to the Douay, became a Franciscan, and actually became the first provincial of the renewed English province in the later part of the, the uh, 16th century. So he, that whole renewal came because of his brother's fortitude, his brother's example, and it converted him and brought him back to the faith. And what another cool example of how the prayers that we pray for our relatives, the things that we hope, you know, when we see in our lifetime people who we wish were part of our, you know, sacramental life together, it, it may happen, but we may not even live to see it, <laughs> right? Uh, this is this incredible story of St. Edmund Jennings, whose brother, you know, even for a little while after he died, was not not ready to convert, but then upon reflection ended up being yes. so. Uh, you've got more of this story, including some quotes from Father Bowden's uh, uh, account of it at supremacyofsurvival.blogspot.com. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Stephanie, thank you as always. Have a great day. Thank you. By the way, when you go to sunrisemorningshow.com, you click subscribe put that email address in you'll get the show notes delivered to your inbox daily and in the show notes i have taken great care it's it's a very very difficult copy and paste move for me but i've put the video stream in those show notes so you can click to the video stream straight from there it is half past the hour here's anna with news Good morning. Israel will allow daily four-hour pauses in the fighting against Hamas in Gaza. White House Principal Deputy Sec Press Secretary Olivia Dalton told reporters the move will allow citizens in northern Gaza to head south to safer areas and access humanitarian aid. She called the agreement a, quote, significant step. More aid is also continuing to flow in through the Rafah crossing from Egypt. President Biden, however, told reporters while leaving the White House there's no chance of a full ceasefire in the fighting at this time. He said he is optimistic in the effort to free the hostages being held by Hamas. Meanwhile, northern Gaza is under heavy bombardment by Israeli forces 
who are targeting Hamas militants. Four hospitals, though, were reportedly bombed overnight, resulting in what appeared to be multiple casualties. Israel's military says they ordered the hospital to evacuate and that Hamas operates a command center there. Pope Francis has said tragedy is unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived, as he met yesterday with members of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. We are sadly witnessing Pope Francis says a tragedy unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived, where he taught us through his humanity to love, to forgive, and to do good to all. And instead, the Holy Father warns, we see them torn apart by tremendous suffering that affects so many innocents. Above all, so many innocent are dead. With these words, Pope Francis expressed his sorrow for the situation in the Holy Land. Tanti innocenti, tanti innocenti. The Holy Father reaffirmed the Order's members his spiritual closeness to them, acknowledging that they live their consultation, sharing the great sorrow of the Mother Church of Jerusalem and imploring the gift of peace. The Pope extended his sentiments of gratitude and esteem to all the members of the Order scattered throughout the world. He recalled that they gather in Rome for their consultation and to discuss the important theme of formation. The Pope urged them to let the crucified and risen Christ embrace their work in life through charity, prayer, and service to others. He called on them to be attentive to the realities in which they operate, always focusing on the integral well-being of the human person. The Holy Father called on them to be an order which, strong in its own identity, participates in the mystery of charity in the most beautiful way. This, he said, can be lived out through educating children in schools and in concrete solidarity with the most fragile, such as the elderly, the sick, and refugees. Concluding, the Pope prayed for those suffering from the tragic events happening in the Holy Land. May the Virgin Mary, the Holy Father, prayed, invoked by you with the title Queen of Palestine, assist you always in your mission. From my heart, he said, I bless you, and I bless all the members of the Order and their families. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says Israel is not looking to rule Gaza after the end of the current conflict. Trey Thomas reports. In a Fox News interview that aired Thursday, Netanyahu said that Israel will have to find a civilian government that will be there. We don't seek to conquer Gaza. We don't seek to occupy Gaza, and we don't seek to govern Gaza. The comments come after he told ABC News on Monday he believes Israel will have the overall security responsibility for an indefinite period. I'm Trey Thomas. The world's largest bank has been hit by a cyber attack, forcing it to trade using a flash drive. The New York office of the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China was hit with a ransomware attack yesterday, making it unable to clear U.S. Treasury trades. The Sisters of Life are declaring victory after the state of New York agreed to abide by a court order saying it cannot demand access to the religious order's sensitive internal documents. The Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty defended the sisters after the state passed a law in June of 2022 targeting life-affirming pregnancy centers for government investigation. The U.S. bishops yesterday released a statement of gratitude to mark this week's Pregnancy Help Appreciation Week. Bishop Michael Burbage acknowledged all of the various ways that pregnancy centers help women in crisis pregnancies. And he said, quote, the U.S. Bishops Pro-Life Committee has constantly called for radical solidarity with mothers in need. He said, we commend pregnancy help centers for living this call of radical solidarity with selfless persistence. And we encourage prayers for this life-saving ministry. 
That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Hear the glorious sound of the new organ at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Mount Washington at its free dedication concert, Sunday, November 12th, 7 p.m. For directions, visit sacredheartradio.com slash events. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, a great place to shop for gifts like fun Catholic T-shirts, socks, and cozy throw blankets. And don't forget the Mystic Monk Pumpkin Spice Coffee. St. Michael's Rosaries, online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of Pope St. Leo the Great, Veterans Day observed. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Starting to feel more like fall again. Right now, temperatures in the lower 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, clouds early, then clearing this afternoon and a high of 61 degrees. Mostly clear tonight and chilly with an overnight low of 33. Mostly sunny and cooler tomorrow with a high of 54 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, partly to mostly sunny today and a high of 61 degrees. Clear skies tonight with an overnight low near 32. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 49 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com. Now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Executive Editor and Washington Bureau Chief of EWTN News, also the creator of the Doctors of the Church series on EWTN TV. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. And November 10th is the feast of Pope St. Leo I, the Great. How significant is his papacy in the history of the church? Well, I think uh, the, the title in some ways says uh, a lot. Uh, he is one of only four popes who is uh, honored as the Great, along with uh, Gregory the Great, uh, Nicholas the First, the Great, who's been kind of lost to history. We should talk about him someday. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Pope St. John Paul II, the Great. His uh, pontificate stretched about 20 years, from 440 to 461. And in that time, uh, he faced crises both internal, uh, facing the... the great heresies of the time, but then external threats, including Attila the Hun, the sack of Rome. So, yes, I think this is a monumental pontificate, uh, and I think Benedict XVI has said it very well that he described him as one of his pontificate, was one of the most important in the history of the Church. Mm. Well, let's back up and and start with his early life. I know we don't know much about it, but what do we know about his early life, and what was his path to the papacy? Well, we know that uh, he came from a uh, some kind of a, a noble Roman family. He was uh, born in Tuscany and uh, 
came to the attention very early on of uh, the leaders of the church. By 431, we know that uh, he was a deacon, which uh, was a position of some prominence uh, in Rome, and uh, that he was very trusted by a number of the popes as well as the imperial family. He was sent, for example, by one of the emperors, Valentinian III, all the way to to help settle a dispute uh, between several of his generals. So that gives you an idea of his uh, position. So he was basically very comfortable in the papal court and very comfortable in the imperial court. Uh, but he was especially trusted by the popes. And it was for that reason, uh, and he was so well known, that uh, when Pope Sixtus III died in 440, while Leo was away, uh, he was, uh, Leo was unanimously chosen uh, to become the Bishop of Rome. Now, you mentioned that he handled struggles internally and externally. So let's start with the internal uh, struggles. What were the issues of his day within the church and how did he address them? Well, we had uh, the continuing issues of uh, jurisdiction. Uh, which he was able to weigh in on. Uh, he, for example, uh, uh, was able to expand uh, the, the deeper understanding of papal authority across the Church. Uh, but I think one of the, the greatest crises of his time came theologically, uh, with the emergence of yet another heresy of the, among the great Christological heresies of the time. And the Church had dealt with the Arian controversy that called into some question the divinity of Christ, and now Leo was uh, confronted, as was the Church, with a heresy called monophysitism or monophysitism uh, that uh, really questioned the humanity of Christ, uh, in particular in the writings of uh, the priest from Constantinople, but anyway, Eutyches, who summed it up uh, best when he, in his view, argued that the humanity of Christ was sort of swallowed up by the divinity of Christ, as would a drop of honey in the sea. Obviously, this led to immense confusion, and there was a, a controversial uh, council at Ephesus in around 449, uh, and Leo wrote uh, what became known simply as the Tome of Leo uh, that tried to bring clarity to the situation. And then in 451, at the Council of Chalcedon, uh, the, the fourth ecumenical council, uh, this question was taken up, and while Leo was not there, his tome was embraced by the bishops, and uh, it was said that uh, the Peter speaks through Leo, and uh, it established very clearly the Church's uh, important teaching of the hypostatic union of uh, the two natures of, of Christ, divine and human, united in one person. So this was a, an important moment, and Leo was the, the standard bearer for this theologically. You mentioned Peter speaking through Leo, and with that in mind, can you tell us about his encounter with Attila the Hun? <laughs> well, this is the the most famous event, I think, of his entire uh, papacy, and, and one of the most famous events in the history of the West. Uh, the Roman Empire in the West was literally collapsing. Uh, the Roman emperors had lost their ability to defend the frontiers, uh, certainly in the Western Roman Empire. And in that uh, vacuum, uh, Attila the Hun, yes, that Attila the Hun, uh, invaded Europe. Uh, there was a massive battle, a bloodbath at the uh, Chalon, the Catalonian plain, and uh, checked in Gaul, Leo turned south and seemed poised in 452 to destroy all of Italy, including Rome. For whatever reason, uh, 
Leo set out and met with Attila to try to convince him uh, to turn away, at least not to destroy everything in his path. And so the two of them met. And we don't know exactly what Leo said. There are a lot of legends surrounding it. Uh, but Attila, from that moment, turned away from the Eternal City. He did not sack Rome and died soon after. But uh, we still wonder what exactly it was that Attila saw or what the Pope was able to do. It is suggested perhaps he offered him large amounts of gold, uh, but we really don't know, other than the fact that uh, Leo managed this. Now, three years later, unfortunately, he could not prevent the sack of Rome by the Vandals, another of the, the great barbarian hordes, uh, in this case under the leadership of King Gaiseric. This time, however, uh, Leo was able to convince the Vandals uh, not to destroy the city completely. Uh, they were more or less moderate in what they did, and one of the key elements in sort of paying off the Vandals was that uh, Leo gave him the city's supply of pepper, uh, which was uh, a major uh, commodity at the time. Wow. Very interesting. What do you think that Pope St. Leo the Great has to say to the Church today? I think two things. The first is that uh, in times of crisis, we have to be faithful to who we are. But I always go back, too, to something that uh, Leo wrote uh, in his Christmas Day sermon. It's one of the most famous of his lines, and that is, Christian, remember your dignity. And he talks about the dignity of all Christians, both saints and sinners, and the obligation, the requirement we have uh, to live as Christians, but fully understanding that as Christians, we have obtained a share in the birth of Christ, let us renounce sin, but remember dignity, and that includes all of us, and for us in America today, that includes each other, but also especially the unborn. Most definitely. So beautifully put. I was going to ask, just to close us off, I know a lot of his writings have survived today. Uh, what would you recommend reading for his feast day? I would uh, start with the, that very sermon on, on the nativity. Faux show. Christians, remember your dignity. Pope St. Leo the Great, pray for us. You can find Dr. Matthew Bunsen linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Hezekiah Carnasso joins us next to preview the readings for the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Stay with us. It's quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is. And put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. 
Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. At EWTN, we're committed to spreading the gospel from a Catholic perspective, touching millions via television, radio, publishing, and the internet. Right now, EWTN is looking for qualified people to fill a number of exciting positions. Make a difference using your God-given talent. Visit EWTN.com employment today. EWTN is the Global Catholic Network. Coming up later this morning on More to Life. We'll be taking your calls and helping you celebrate the life you were meant to live. Tune in to More to Life, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central on EWTN Radio. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 till, here's Anna with headlines. Israel has agreed to allow four hour pauses daily in its fighting against Hamas in Gaza. But northern Gaza is under heavy bombardment by Israeli forces. Pope Francis spoke to the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem yesterday, saying tragedy is unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived. And the Sisters of Life are declaring victory after the state of New York agreed to abide by a court order saying it cannot demand access to the religious order's sensitive internal documents. Next newscast coming up in about 14-ish minutes as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's 12 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture here to preview the readings for the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. Blessing to be with you and your listeners this morning. It is a blessing to have you back. And for our first reading on Sunday, we head to the Book of Wisdom, chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. Resplendent and unfading is wisdom, and she is readily perceived by those who love her and found by those who seek her. Uh, goes on to just sing the praises of wisdom. But my question is, Father, what exactly is wisdom? Well, the classical definition. I mean, we all know what wisdom is as an idea. I was actually asking my children. I'm a married Byzantine priest. And I was asking, what is wisdom? I asked them the other day, right? Well, they came up with a good answer, and that's knowing, knowing a lot. And, well, that's not exactly <laughs> wisdom. But but it gets to the point, right? The wise man is the one who knows. And, the, and and now we're talking about not just knowledge of any old thing, but we're talking about knowledge of the most important things, and that is the causes of things, where a thing has come from and what its purpose is. Knowing what this world is all about and what it's for, and the pinnacle of this created order, the, the, the crown jewel of this created order, of course, is man. Wisdom ultimately for for us is knowing who made us and for what purpose we were made and governing our lives accordingly. Yeah. So it says in here that wisdom makes her own rounds, seeking those worthy of her. How do you become worthy of wisdom? 
Well, obviously, in the book of wisdom here, we're not just talking about, about man's life as the crown jewel of this creation. We're talking about the wisdom of God, who governs all things to their proper end. Yes? And so, it, it, very much from a biblical standpoint, we can say, and, and from the scriptures, from the book of wisdom, that the wisdom of God and the Word of God are the, are the same reality. Ultimately, we know, because we receive the revelation of the Incarnation, that the Word of God is Jesus and therefore, he is the wisdom of God, yeah? And so your question is applicable here. How do I make myself worthy of the presence of God in my life? And the ultimate answer is there's nothing I can do to make myself worthy of this great gift. And yet I can certainly get myself ready. And how do I get myself ready by the, the Book of Wisdom? Says, by desiring the highest things, yeah, by building up a desire and of course, that is a gift in itself. God has placed this gift within us as His, as His creatures, to desire Him. But you know, it's it's much like, and I'll go back to my children again. It's just my, like like children eating junk food versus good food, right? How do I get a child or myself to to appreciate and love the higher things? Well, I have to give them a taste of those things, an experience of those things, and do so continually to build that desire within the person. And it's the same thing, or maybe even more so, with the immaterial goods, with, with divine goods, and that is to taste and see how good the Lord is, as the Psalms tell us. Taste and see how good the Lord is. How do I, make, how do I prepare myself for the gift of wisdom in my life? I, I encounter the Lord and do so continually, and I begin to build that desire. And so during this time in which we are already in this kind of pre-Advent season, we ought to be thinking, how am I going to prepare myself for the incarnation of Christ? Not to be born in a manger 2,000 years ago, but to be born in my heart, the gift of wisdom himself in my life, that I might govern my life accordingly. Yeah, and so I would just encourage your listeners, uh, Annie, to really consider these days ahead as a time of preparation, a time of fasting, a time to build that desire to come into church early, to increase in our prayer life, that we might become a people worthy of the birth of our Savior. Yeah, I mean, the responsorial psalm is talking all about that. My soul is thirsting for you, O God. O God, you are my God whom I seek. For you, my flesh pines and my soul thirsts like the earth parched, lifeless and without water. And this psalm goes on to say, I will remember you upon my couch, and through the night watches, I will meditate on you. You are my help. In the shadow of your wings, I shout for joy. And actually, the, the first reading from Wisdom talks about keeping vigil as well. So a really easy tie-in to the gospel that we get this weekend from, from Matthew chapter 25 and the parable of the ten virgins. Tell us about it. Right, you, you, and you'll remember the parable well. You'll hear it this Sunday. Half of them were prepared for the coming of the bridegroom, and, and half of them were not, right? Jesus, of course, is, is giving this parable in the midst of his entry into Jerusalem for his passion, the one who's the bridegroom of the church, who's going to give his life for his bride upon the cross. And he enters into Jerusalem. He finds the people, some of whom have been following him are faithful, but many in the crowd have been kind of standing on the side ill-prepared, yeah, and it gives us this beautiful image of these of these ten virgins, half of whom do not have enough oil, they haven't prepared their lamps, 
They're not prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. And that image of oil and the lamp is something that maybe is foreign to us today. But in the old days, well, you 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 lit a lamp by by having a bowl of oil with a wick in it, and that wick soaked in the oil would burn. And it had to be prepared. You had to have enough oil because the oil gets used up by the burning of the of the lamp. And of course, when it goes out, you cannot see. It's another aspect of this parable that's very important, and that is you wouldn't know how to govern your life. You would not know how to walk. You would not know how to 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 welcome the bridegroom. You would not see the bridegroom coming because your lamp isn't burning. Now is the time, Church of God, to get your lamps ready, so that when the bridegroom does come, you will he will find you prepared and welcome you into the kingdom of God. It is a time of preparation now for the coming of the Lord in the flesh. And lest anyone not know about that imagery of the oil lamps, I would direct them to our Bible study over at the Institute of Catholic Culture in which I almost don't have enough oil for my own (laughs) lamp and father certainly let me know about it and called me a modernist and i mean there's all kinds of good things in this bible study that uh, we have ready for you for this weekend so father if listeners want to check that out or uh anything else that's going on you got a talk coming up on the eucharist actually over at the institute where do they find it institute of catholic culture.org you can click on sunday gospel reflections and listen to annie and i do a full deep dive one hour bible study for this coming sunday and see all the other programs we have coming up, all of it free of charge at instituteofcatholicculture.org. And you can find the Institute of Catholic Culture linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Hey, Matt, are you there? I'm there. I am going to hold... Because you use like a long-nose lighter or something? I used it, yeah. I used a barbecue lighter because I'm a modernist. Um, No, I'm holding up my phone to the camera. Those of you who are watching on the video live stream right now can see that I did eventually get this lamp lit with vegetable oil. Vegetable oil. Do you see this, Matt? Are you able to see it I on your... I see that. Yeah. Oh, yes. So it's a vegetable oil lamp. A vegetable oil lamp. Yes. I don't think I have vegetable oil in my house. Well, I mean, well, olives was... are a vegetable. Folks should really go watch. I'm, like, cracking up at this video at the Institute this time. Anyway, we got a full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up after a quick break for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith when Andrea Picciotti Beer will discuss possible laws that would make misgendering a crime. Father Robert Nixon will share his translation of Albert the Great's Paradise of the Soul. I'll reflect on the feast of Pope St. Leo the Great plus frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and 
Boating.com. Support comes from On a Mission to Love for books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. All deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. On a Mission to Love.com. That's On a Mission to Love.com. Support for Sacred Art Radios from Our Lady of the Holy Spirit Center, presenting the Advent of Christmas in Bethlehem. Bethlehem comes alive and the spirit of the Holy Land is reborn. Sunday, December 3rd, is a special day for the children with crafts and activities, St. Nicholas, and live animals. And December 10th, the living interactive town of Bethlehem continues. And this year, it's even bigger than ever. Register at theholyspiritcenter.org. All proceeds benefit the Holy Spirit Center. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing. Ken Herbert Plumbing, a drain cleaning specialist, uses color drain cameras to help find and fix drainage issues. Ken Herbert Plumbing, for residential and commercial plumbing repair, 513-383-2974. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. I am Father Rufino Ezama, the Provincial Superior of the Comboni Missionaries. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Friday, the 10th of November, Veterans Day. Also, it's the feast of Pope St. Leo the Great. Let's begin in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. Jerome's prayer for God's mercy. O Lord, show your mercy to me and gladden my heart. I'm like the man on the way to Jericho who was overtaken by robbers, wounded and left for dead. O good Samaritan, come to my aid. I am like the sheep that went astray. O good shepherd, seek me out and bring me home in accord with your will. Let me dwell in your house all the days of my life and praise you forever and ever with those who are there. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Pope St. Leo the Great, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being here with us on a Friday. Happy Veterans Day to all who serve or who have uh, family members, loved ones who serve. Of course, it's normally observed tomorrow on the Feast of St. Martin, but we moved it so people get a day off of work and school and the like. I say we, I mean, the, the 
I'm not the I'm not the one who does that. Mike Aquilina is going to be along to talk about Pope Saint Leo the Great on this his feast day. We'll catch up with Danielle Bean as well. Bobby Schindler will join us from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Also, Father Jonathan Duncan to look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings for the 32nd Sunday in over ordinary time. You know, once you get up into the lower 30s of ordinary time, you know we're getting real close to Advent. Right now it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Northern Gaza has been under heavy bombardment by Israeli forces targeting Hamas militants. Four hospitals were reportedly bombed overnight, resulting in what appeared to be multiple casualties. Israel's military claims Hamas operates a command center at the hospital, including entrances to its tunnel network, and that they had ordered the hospital to evacuate before striking. Meanwhile, Israel has said it will allow daily four-hour pauses in fighting against Hamas in Gaza. The White House Principal Deputy Press Secretary Olivia Dalton told reporters the move will allow civilians in northern Gaza to head south to safer areas and access humanitarian aid. She called the agreement a significant step. More aid is also continuing to flow in through the Rafah crossing from Egypt. President Biden, however, told reporters while leaving the White House there is no chance of a full ceasefire in the fighting at this time. He said he is optimistic in the effort to free the hostages being held by Hamas. Pope Francis has said tragedy continues to unfold in the very places where our Lord lived, as he met yesterday with members of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. We are sadly witnessing Pope Francis says a tragedy unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived, where he taught us through his humanity to love, to forgive, and to do good to all. And instead, the Holy Father warns we see them torn apart by tremendous suffering that affects so many innocents. Above all, so many innocent are dead. With these words, Pope Francis expressed his sorrow for the situation in the Holy Land. The Holy Father reaffirmed to the Order's members his spiritual closeness to them, acknowledging that they live their consultation, sharing the great sorrow of the Mother Church of Jerusalem and imploring the gift of peace. The Pope extended his sentiments of gratitude and esteem to all the members of the Order scattered throughout the world. He recalled that they gather in Rome for their consultation and to discuss the important theme of formation. The Pope urged them to let the crucified and risen Christ embrace their work in life through charity, prayer, and service to others. He called on them to be attentive to the realities in which they operate, always focusing on the integral well-being of the human person. The Holy Father called on them to be an order which, strong in its own identity, participates in the mystery of charity in the most beautiful way. This, he said, can be lived out through educating children in schools and in concrete solidarity with the most fragile, such as the elderly, the sick, and refugees. Concluding, the Pope prayed for those suffering from the tragic events happening in the Holy Land. May the Virgin Mary, the Holy Father, prayed, invoked by you with the title Queen of Palestine, assist you always in your mission. From my heart, he said, I bless you, and I bless all the members of the Order and their families. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The Sisters of Life are declaring victory after the state of New York agreed to abide by a court order saying it cannot demand access to the religious order's sensitive internal documents. The Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty had defended the sisters after the state passed a law in June of 2022 targeting life-affirming pregnancy centers for government investigation. 
Sister Mara Stella, who's the Vicar General of the Sisters of Life, said, We are grateful for this victory, which protects our right to continue to uphold and defend the beauty and strength of women. New income tax brackets for 2024 have been released by the IRS. Income thresholds have been boosted for each bracket applying to the tax year 2024, with the top rate of 37% applying to those with taxable income just over $609,000. The and 600 yeah, $609,000. The married couples filing jointly who earn more than $731,000. Standard deductions will also rise in 2024, up about $2,000 for married couples who file jointly and about $800 for single filers. Mortgage rates are down in the biggest weekly drop since last year. Lisa Taylor has more. The 30-year fixed rate mortgage went down to 7.5% this week, down from a quarter of a percentage point from the week before. That's according to data from Freddie Mac. It's the second straight week rates have gone down after rising for seven weeks in a row. I'm Lisa Taylor. And the Grammy nominations will be announced today. The 2024 Grammy Awards ceremony will be held in Los Angeles in February. The nominees across all 94 categories will be announced by music stars, including John Bon Jovi and Weird Al Yankovic. So, you know, Matt will be tuning in today. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning What? You're not supposed to be talking. I was not going to let you talk. Yeah, Weird Al is going to be. Oh, now his microphone's off. I see him trying to talk, and he's so mad right now. See, you all who aren't watching the video live stream, you just missed Matt have a toddler temper tantrum. (laughs) Mike Aquilina joins us next. It's seven past. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, and from FathersOfTheChurch.com, we're joined by Mike Aquilina. He also has a podcast for Catholic culture called Way of the Fathers. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. So if you have the great after your name, uh, you know, by the people who came after you, you must have been a big deal. There's not that many popes who are called the great, but one of them is Pope Leo. So why was he called the great? And you know what? One of the great petrologists of the 20th century, Fulbert Carré, um, said that he was the greater of the two greats. <laughs> the other one is is Gregory the Great, and uh, and 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 Carré made the argument that that by far Leo 
you know, had the bigger footprint, but he he definitely didn't have the bigger personality. You know, he's uh, he's almost uh, self-effacing. Uh, doesn't doesn't leave much of a sense of um, of of. Uh, of, of a personality, you know, of a of a persona, um, but why was he great? It's it's hard to know where to begin. You know, he he was elected pope in a very difficult time. Rome was crumbling, the empire was crumbling, and here he is. He's the bishop of Rome, the head of the church on earth, and uh, the vicar of Christ, and he's trying to hold hold it all together in in terms of the Catholic faith. Uh, the the faith is is experiencing challenges because of uh, wayward Christology in the East, and and also the barbarians are closing in on Rome, and uh, and there are several different tribes heading toward Rome during his uh, his papacy, and the the emperors themselves all but abandoned the city, and uh, and didn't uh, they weren't there to defend it. And uh, and so Leo himself had to put his life on the line and go and uh, and speak for the city. So it was a very strange time. Leo's uh, Leo had to step into that uh, that situation and and stand up for his people. And he had to do this repeatedly, you know, not just once, but many times. Well, you say he had to step into the situation and stand up for his people. A lot of times when we talk about that um, in terms of bureaucracies and leadership, that means that. Uh, they have to come up with some administrative ways to solve some problems. But when we're talking about Attila the Hun, the way that the story <laughs> is often told is that he literally did step up and stand up for his people uh, against well, Attila. Well, he did. He did. It was a very mysterious thing. But but Attila was sweeping into Italy with this horde, this army, that and, and it, they were unstoppable. And they were rapidly moving through Italy, and they were heading toward Rome. And uh, and as I said before, the emperor all but abandoned Rome. He really did not take up its defense. He really did not bother trying to negotiate because he was so fearful of Attila and the Huns. Um, so he uh, so Leo took it upon himself to just ride out and visit Attila's camp. Now imagine, imagine the courage that took, because it would be nothing for Attila to kill him, just as he had killed thousands in the days leading up to that. So Leo enters enters the camp, and for some reason, Attila is struck by him. You know, he's 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 moved by his presence, and he treats him with great honor and hospitality. And the two of them speak privately. We have no idea what they talked about, but that was a turning point. In, in church history, it was a turning point in human history, because after that meeting, Attila turned around and started to head back home. He decided not to advance to Rome, and and shortly after that, Attila died. So Rome was saved by this, this intervention, this gutsy interve- intervention of Leo the Great. It's a powerful story, and if that was the only story we had about Leo... We could still probably call him the great, but we also have a lot of things that he wrote. We have, um, I mean, my goodness, if you only read his Christmas sermon, uh, you know, that's <laughs> that's enough to get you going. But we also have the Tome of Leo. I mean, talk a little bit about some of the things that he defended in terms of uh, Christian doctrine, in terms of how the church understands him, it, herself. Uh, he wrote about a lot. Well, first I want to point out that Leo repeated that performance with Att- not with Attila this time but with Genseric who was marching on Rome and and was uh, was heading there with his vandals 
his army. And, uh, and he stopped Genseric as well. At least he prevented him from pillaging the city and killing people. So, uh, so, so Leo did this not once, but twice. That's courage. Um, uh, but, but you bring up his, his doctrinal witness. And Leo really has left us the most complete summary of Christological doctrine in response to all of the heresies about our Lord Jesus Christ that arose during the, the 4th century and the 5th century. It was read aloud at the Council of Chalcedon, and the bishops of the world in unison cried out, Peter has spoken through Leo acknowledging that this is the definitive statement about Christology. So Leo is one of these, these, uh, these great minds, these great men who, who can act with courage, but also speak with clarity and force and, uh, and make himself known that way as well. You know, I used to believe this in a vague sense um, without really having any historical, you know, I guess, reasons for doing so. It was just sort of my impression, but I talk to people all the time uh, you know, who come from various Christian backgrounds who think, well, after the last apostle died, the church went off the rails uh, and no longer believed in Jesus and just became this institutional hierarchy. Uh, or some people might say um, after the, you know, advent of Constantine and uh, the Edict of Milan and the Council of Nicaea, then you get then you get this uh, Roman church that's not really Christian at all. And I'm thinking to myself, all you really got to do is pick up the Tome of Leo uh, yes. writing in the 5th century, to realize that if every Christian in the world has gone off the rails, the Pope has not. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, not only the Tome of Leo, but every one of his sermons, they're so deeply biblical. They're so simple. They're so clear. And they really do speak to the hearts and minds of ordinary people who were living in the city of Rome in the middle of the, the fifth century. You know, Leo is someone who was immersed in, in, in the scriptures and, and was in love with Jesus Christ and tried to imitate him in his life. That's why he lived in such an, a self-effacing way, you know, so that he almost vanishes and Christ shines through. Well, as he says, uh, in his Christmas sermon, just to give you a flavor of, of his, uh, uh, you know, his approach, he says, Our Savior, dearly beloved, was born today. Let us be glad, for there is no proper place for sadness when we keep the birthday of the life, which destroys the fear of mortality and brings us the joy of promised eternity. You know, a lot of church fathers may be a little difficult to get into and a little obtuse, but Leo is pretty readable. He is. He is very readable because what we have from Leo, you know, we have letters, we have sermons, and they were they were intended to communicate with clarity and precision, and they were crafted to reach the heart as well. Well, thanks so much, Mike Aquilina. Happy feast day to all the Leos listening this morning. 16 past, we've got headlines coming up next. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem. A Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Can we, can we Look at the star. This is it. You truly believe that this child is the chosen one. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. 
Thank you. And God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. The Catholic Man Show, hosted by Adam Minahan and David Niles. Designed especially for men that promotes the lost art of living virtuously. You can hear The Catholic Man Show as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation. All in one place. All free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNRadio.net slash podcasts today. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Northern Gaza has been under heavy bombardment by Israeli forces targeting Hamas, but Israel has agreed to allow daily four-hour pauses for humanitarian aid. Pope Francis has said tragedy is unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived, as he met yesterday with members of the equestrian order of the Holy Sepulchre. And the U.S. bishops have released a statement of gratitude to mark this week's Pregnancy Help Appreciation Week. All right, so uh, I just wanted to, to put something out there since I was uh, unceremoniously silenced when you yeah. brought up Weird Al Yankovic and his Grammy nominations. I wasn't able to find what he's nominated for. It's no, 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 no. He's not nominated. He's announcing. Oh, he's announcing. he's announcing the nominees. I got we don't know who. I thought Maybe he'd he... done a parody of some song that I'd never heard before because I don't know what the kids are listening to. Maybe days. he will be nominated for a Grammy, but we don't know yet because we he's going to be up early announcing them well as you know i like to take a a good perspective on all kinds of things you know yeah important theological perspective theological positions and as you know and once i get done with the sunrise morning show i go to my other gig at the coming home network where we help people from all kinds of faith backgrounds on their way into the church so it's important to be literate in uh the different kinds of religious traditions uh there's a number gets thrown out there thirty thousand different forms that's not that's not probably accurate 25 would be bad enough. But at any rate, uh, Weird Al does a conflation in what is probably my least favorite parody of his, which is... Amish Paradise? Amish Paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he... Well, uh, and I, think I mean, if anything, one, because we are the Coolio generation, Matt. We and, are, so I'm a little bit more sensitive to this. Sure. Um, but Of course, I don't towards, like f- aluminum foil either because I'm... Big fan of Royals. But anyway, go on. Right. Yeah. Well, all I'm going to say is towards the end, he says, we're all crazy Mennonites living in an Amish uh, paradise. Yeah. When in fact, um, those are yeah. actually two different yeah. strains off the Anabaptist tree. Yeah. And a- yeah. actually, Anabaptism being one of the oldest reform movements in the Reformation. So, Al, if you want to make some distinctions, if you re-record it. Why don't you rewrite the lyrics? Maybe I will. Why do so many businesses choose to underwrite Sacred Heart Radio? It's because our radio signals reach over 600,000 Catholics locally who've told us they want to use the businesses they hear on Sacred Heart Radio. Listeners that are also in the perfect target consumer group, according to our latest survey. And this is the ideal time to get your business in front of our listeners with our special Christmas underwriting packages. To find out more, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. 
That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated, stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Danielle Bean joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Connect with her, invite her to speak or lead a retreat through DanielleBean.com. Listen to her girlfriend's podcast through GoodCatholic.com. And check out the community over at GirlfriendsCommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right, Danielle. I could not believe it. Like two weeks before Halloween, I walked into the grocery store and there were these huge piles of ingredients in the main aisles all over the store of all of the the special ingredients that people pick up for Thanksgiving. And I was like, what? We're already getting ready for Thanksgiving? I mean, the introverted among us may be getting all anxious, even just thinking about this notion. But we are in the month of November, so these gatherings are coming, whether we like it or not. So we're going to talk about getting better at hospitality today. I am curious, um, are you really into hosting big gatherings or do you think of it as work or maybe a combination? Yeah, it's kind of a combination. For me, I think I I wouldn't naturally do it, probably. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a very introverted person, but I happen to be married to somebody who loves putting on (laughs) a huge event and continually inviting people over. figure it out right so um and i and you know that experience has been very good for me because it really is a beautiful thing to be able to do it's a really beautiful way to build community to grow deeper in your friendships with one another and to just get more relaxed about inviting Mm. people over i think that's the big thing yeah 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 so is this like a fake it till you may we we talk about this all the time (laughs) fake it till you make it is this one of those things that we need to do just dive in just get started right and you know sometimes we just make that like it just feels like this overall like huge deal and so we just push it away like oh i can't i can't invite anybody over i can't plan an event i can't host whatever it is and yet you know when you do it so often afterwards you're like you know what that was actually a lot of fun 
I really connected with these people. I feel closer to my friends. I feel like we built community. We maybe met new people this way. You know, more often than not, it's a net win in the end, and you realize it really is worth that little bit of extra effort. Okay, so let's get into some of that little bit of extra effort. What is the importance Mm. of planning when you're an introvert who wants to get better at hospitality? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so if you think about, like, having a plan before people come over, you might think, like, oh, I need a grocery list, and I need to, like, make my list of, like, planning. I'm going to get all the vacuuming done or whatever. Mm -hmm. But really, I mean, sure, do some of that. But what I'm talking about is have a plan for how you're really going to connect with people. Really put your focus there. Like, how are you going to have conversations with the people who are coming to see you? This doesn't have to be an elaborate plan, but just giving it a little bit of thought can go a long way. So think about the people who are coming over. Think about their lives. Think about what's going on with them, what you might ask them about. Think about some interesting conversation starters and you know, really just having a plan like that makes it so much easier because I know I for sure, especially early on in my marriage, I hosted multiple events where I was so focused on the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The cooking, the cleaning, the, you know, whatever, that I really forgot to connect with the people, which is what it's supposed to be all about. So wow. focus on the people in your plans and in the moment, when, you know, when the time comes and the people are there, of course, there's going to be some things you need to do as a host, right? But you know, try to simplify it as much as possible so that you can be truly connecting and having real conversations and looking people in the eye and truly making that kind of connection with people. Danielle, you said, you know, you would get kind of distracted by all of the things you have to do. I have hmm. to admit, I I hide behind those things. Like, <laughs> yes. So I, I think I having it. that plan and getting yourself mentally prepared because, you know, one of the, the, the key, the what it, the hallmarks of, of introvertedness is that this takes energy for people like us. It really does. It really does. But you can feel more confident if you have that little bit of a plan. Mm-hmm. Think about this person. Great you point. might know them well. You might not know them very well. Maybe they just had a new baby. Maybe they're starting a new job. Maybe they recently lost their mother. Maybe they're, you know, were, were really sick or somebody was in the hospital or, you know, Think about their lives and what you can ask them about. Ask them about their kids and their school. Or, and, and if it's somebody you don't know very well, there are very open-ended kind of interesting questions you can ask about, like, what do you like to do in your free time? You know, I like that question because you don't know somebody. It's a really great way to kind of find mm-hmm. out a little bit more about them. But it's, it's not a high-pressure kind of question, you know, where you're asking them, uh, you know, like, what are you doing with the rest of your life or something? You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a relaxed conversation with them. Yeah. And we're already running out of time. You've got a whole podcast uh, devoted to this with a lot of great advice. Um, but we, we talked about how we just have to do it. And you, you mentioned do it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But in addition to that, start small. Right. I think that's a really important thing to point out that you don't sometimes we think, oh, I have to host this big fancy dinner party. Well, no, you don't. You can Mm -hmm. invite people over for for games and snacks or you can invite people over for coffee and dessert or, you know, whatever it is that you might like to do. It can be very small kind of commitment like that. And that can feel more doable to you. And then once you get a little more comfortable doing that, you might feel more able to take on larger events. But starting small, I think that really is key because just getting started is going to contribute a lot to your comfort level. Absolutely. Well, maybe we'll uh, focus on a few more of these the next time we get together, Danielle, because I think this is an important thing for us to uh, to be willing 
and to be present with other people because the Lord wants us to be a family. We are one body. And so this is this is an important thing. And what uh, we're made for. And I need you to help me, Danielle. So. <laughs> I will. I will. We'll get through this holiday season. Well, thank you so much, Danielle Bean. You can find goodcatholic.com and the Girlfriends Community linked at sunrisemorningshow.com alongside her website, daniellebean.com. You can find all of our guests linked on a daily basis in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. We'd love for you to subscribe so that you can get all that information in your email every morning as we go on the air. sonrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The White House says Israel is allowing daily pauses in its battle against Hamas so that humanitarian aid can reach civilians. Deputy Press Secretary Olivia Dalton told reporters yesterday the four-hour pauses will allow people in northern Gaza to head south to safer areas. President Biden told reporters yesterday there is no chance of a full ceasefire at this time, but he is optimistic about efforts to free hostages being held by Hamas. Meanwhile, northern Gaza has been under heavy bombardment by Israeli forces targeting Hamas. Four hospitals were reportedly bombed overnight, resulting in what appears to be multiple casualties. Israel's military claims Hamas operates a command center at one of the hospitals, including entrances to its tunnel network, and that they had ordered that hospital to evacuate before striking. Pope Francis has said, Tragedy is unfolding in the places where the Lord lived, as he met yesterday with members of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. We are sadly witnessing Pope Francis says a tragedy unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived, where he taught us through his humanity to love, to forgive, and to do good to all. And instead, the Holy Father warns, we see them torn apart by tremendous suffering that affects so many innocents. Above all, so many innocent are dead. With these words, Pope Francis expressed his sorrow for the situation in the Holy Land. Tanti innocenti, tanti innocenti. The Holy Father reaffirmed to the Order's members his spiritual closeness to them, acknowledging that they live their consultation, sharing the great sorrow of the Mother Church of Jerusalem and imploring the gift of peace. The Pope extended his sentiments of gratitude and esteem to all the members of the Order scattered throughout the world. He recalled that they gather in Rome for their consultation and to discuss the important theme of formation. The Pope urged them to let the crucified and risen Christ embrace their work in life through charity, prayer, and service to others. He called on them to be attentive to the realities in which they operate, always focusing on the integral well-being of the human person. The Holy Father called on them to be an order which, strong in its own identity, participates in the mystery of charity in the most beautiful way. This, he said, can be lived out through educating children in schools and in concrete solidarity with the most fragile, such as the elderly, the sick, and refugees. Concluding, the Pope prayed for those suffering from the tragic events happening in the Holy Land. May the Virgin Mary, the Holy Father, prayed, invoked by you with the title Queen of Palestine, assist you always in your mission. Regina de la Palestina, vi assista sempre nella vostra mission. From my heart, he said, I bless you, and I bless all the members of the order and their families. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says Israel is not looking to rule Gaza after the end of the current conflict. 
Trey Thomas reports. In a Fox News interview that aired Thursday, Netanyahu said that Israel will have to find a civilian government that will be there. We don't seek to conquer Gaza. We don't seek to occupy Gaza, and we don't seek to govern Gaza. The comments come after he told ABC News on Monday he believes Israel will have the overall security responsibility for an indefinite period. I'm Trey Thomas. The world's largest bank has been hit by a cyber attack, forcing it to trade using a flash drive. The New York office of the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China was hit with a ransomware attack yesterday, making it unable to clear U.S. Treasury trades. The bank had to use messengers carrying USB drives to complete its trades. The Sisters of Life are declaring victory after the state of New York agreed to abide by a court order saying it cannot demand access to the religious order's sensitive internal documents. The Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty defended the Sisters after the state had passed a law in June of 2022 that targeted life-affirming pregnancy centers for government investigations. Sister Mara Stella, Vicar General of the Sisters of Life, said, quote, We are grateful for this victory, which protects our right to continue to uphold and defend the beauty and strength of women. And the U.S. bishops yesterday released a statement of gratitude to mark this week's Pregnancy Help Appreciation Week. Bishop Michael Burbage said, quote, The U.S. Bishop's Pro-Life Committee has consistently called for radical solidarity with mothers in need. He said, we commend pregnancy help centers for living this call of radical solidarity with selfless persistence, and we encourage prayers for this life-saving ministry. That's the news. It's 35 minutes past the hour. The podcast of the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith lets you replay and share an interview. They even have markers to help you find the interview quickly. Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast are in the daily show notes at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com skpha.com. Hi, I'm Patrick Cagney with Cagney Family Real Estate, Coldwell Banker. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, sister, Mar, and I have more than 60 years of real estate experience to help you with the most important buying and selling decisions. 513-319-7312. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of Pope St. Leo the Great, Veterans Day Observed. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Starting to feel more like fall again. Right now, temperatures in the lower 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, clouds early, then clearing this afternoon and a high of 61 degrees. Mostly clear tonight and chilly with an overnight low of 33. Mostly sunny and cooler tomorrow with a high of 54 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, partly to mostly sunny today and a high of 61 degrees. Clear skies tonight with an overnight low near 32. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 49 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com.
The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network, online at lifeandhope.com. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So we haven't had much to say yet. Uh, I've been hoping to dig into this uh, a lot more with you. Uh, The story of Indy Gregory, a British infant. I feel like we've actually had several stories over the past few years of British infants who could not receive care and were trying to get out of the country. What's going on with Indy Gregory? Yes, uh, Matt, very reminiscent of the Alfie Evans and Charlie Gard case back a few years ago. Um, so we, we spoke about this a few weeks ago. Indy Gregory was born in February, and she's about nine months old. She has a, a terminal but treatable disease. Uh, it's rare. It's called mitochondrial, mitochondrial disease. Um, and the parents have been trying to get her treated, uh, but the hospital was saying no. I mean, just to simplify things, they went to the court. The court has ruled against the parents and setting dates to have the, um, the his. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the uh, the baby's life support removed, and the baby would die subsequently. So what? So there's been a flurry of activity, uh, court activity this this past week, Matt. And just real quick, so Tuesday, the, the uh, judge in this case, Justice Robert Peel. There was an emergency hearing on Tuesday. He ruled on Wednesday that uh, he denied the, the, the hearing by the parents um, to, to extend time and to allow the baby to be treated. Ruled that the baby's uh, life support to remove yesterday. In the meantime, and hats off to the Italian government and Georgia, Georgia Maloney, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, they gave emergency guardianship, uh, emergency citizenship, to Indy. The Italian ambassador in the UK, Dr. Corolini, I believe is his name, um, what, what he did, uh, he um, issued uh, uh, his, his capacity, uh, issued an emergency measure November 8th, uh, recognizing, and I'm reading this from the article, recognizing the authority of the Italian courts in this case. So I'm reading fast because there's a lot going on here. So this measure authorizes the adoption of the Bambino Jesu Specialist Treatment Plan, which is a hospital that's operated by the Vatican, that assumes protection of Indy uh, and appointing the Italian hospital's general manager, Dr. Perno, as Gregory's daughter. So Dr. Perno, in turn, made an urgent application yesterday to the U.K. High Court calling on Justice Peel to um, allow uh, the U.K. to transfer um, Indy to, uh, to the hospital, that's the Vatican-run hospital. So there's a hearing actually going on as we speak, Matt, because there's a six-hour time difference. Uh, it, right now, the parents are in front of the U.K., which is the second-highest court in the U.K., uh, appealing to, to, the, to the court asking for relief to have the, the baby transferred to, to the hospital in Italy. I hope that all makes sense, but that's kind of what's going on. It's been a flurry of court activity, and we just got to pray that this court... Now, this is this, something similar has happened with the uh, Charlie Garden and Alfie Evans case, as I mentioned, and they were both denied the opportunity to transfer to the hospital in Italy. So uh, hopefully they'll have better news with Indy with, with the court today. Yeah, hopefully so, and I urge our listeners to pray uh, for this as well. You know, there are a lot of interesting court cases that go on around the world that have implications for the cause of life and, of course, legal stuff um, that we deal with all the time here in the United States uh, regarding the sanctity of life for the unborn, for, as you talk about all the time, uh, the medically vulnerable. 
And, you know, let's be honest. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I wish the Vatican would say things about that it doesn't. There's a lot of stuff the Vatican says stuff about that I'm like, ah, could you just, like, kept this in an, inter- in an internal email or something. But it is fascinating to me that there have been so many of these cases where somebody from the church, in this case, you know, you've got the Bambino Jesu hospital in the Vatican, has said, hey, these are infants who are being, you know, targeted for removal of health care, or in the case of your sister, right, John Paul II did as well. It is interesting to me that these end-of-life cases seem to have a pattern um, through papal history, at least in the modern era, in the last you know, 20, 30, 40 years, of the popes or the Vatican or somebody saying something about this stuff. Yeah, and we'll and we, and we get back to, to, to Pope Francis. Uh, I don't know if he's, making any, if he's made any public statements about this case in particular, but he has in he the has before. The Charlie sure. I'm sorry? He has in some of these other cases, for sure. Yeah, he, well, he did. And, and Charlie Clark and Alfie Evans, he was very outspoken in both of those cases. Uh, and, I, and I think he, perhaps he's helping pull the strings to help the, these babies get transferred to this Vatican-run hospital uh, that, that, that they're trying to get this baby to. So it's quite remarkable, yet, yeah, just the length that the Vatican is going in these cases to help these babies, recognizing their human dignity and the, and the chance that the parent. And the fact that the parents want to give them a chance, that there is a treatable plan, Matt. And it doesn't make sense to me why the hospital and the, and the courts are digging in their heels and just simply won't let the parents, who have every right, they are the child's parents, for crying out loud, have every right to, to seek treatment for this baby. And if there's a hospital that, that is uh, uh, welcoming in it and allowing it, it doesn't make sense to me why they're not allowing this baby. And they, they feel like it's in their best interest to make decisions for this baby. It's just it's so frustrating and troubling that, that we see this happening. But it's happening on the international stage. And i got to tell you, Matt, we post this on our Facebook page and our website. It's encouraging to see the, the comments from people here in America and how supportive they are of the family and that they have every right to get treatment for their, for their, little, their little baby girl. Well, and I think, too, this highlights another thing. Uh, that that a family like this who wants to make the right decision in this case, uh, it's amazing to see the support that they get for it. And you know, some of the objections from the other side are like, "Well, why would we, you know, do this? Uh, you know, who wants to incur these kinds of medical medical debts?" And there there have been obviously some people who want to step up and help with that, if if at all possible. But all the same, there are all kinds of people who get insurance to pay for all kinds of elective things all the time. Uh, it's it's mind blowing to me, as as you mentioned, that um, that in the case of life sustaining treatment, and you know who knows how long it'll last. You say you know terminal, but does terminal mean tomorrow? Does terminal mean six years from now? I've known all kinds of people who've gotten terminal diagnoses who lived sometimes a decade or more, <laughs> right beyond that. Yeah. Uh, so you just and can't I, know think, these things. And I think it's also worth mentioning just how heartless this hospital and courts are. The parents at least ask. If they're going to remove life support, if they can do it at the baby's home, at the, at the parent's home. And they even refuse to do that, Matt. So It's just general uh, hospice this, care, right? I mean, yeah, a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, right, it's terrible that they even denied the opportunity for the parents parents to let their baby die at, at their home. So, um, you know, just the length that the parents have to go just to get the support and help they need for their and treatments for their baby. Um, again, just, just extraordinary. They have to go through this fight to help their little baby girl. Well, it's uh, you focus a lot on national stories, but this one is definitely international. When you've got the UK and Italy involved, and of course, um, you know whatever happens in Europe, 
uh, and we th- see this all the time with Belgium, ends up somehow coming here and people trying it here uh, on, on people. So it's a very, very important thing to stay vigilant about. Bobby Schindler, if our listeners want to connect with you and uh, learn what you're doing and maybe get support in their own situation if they're in a difficult spot, how do they do so? Sure, and we're going to hear shortly too, Matt, on, on the outcome of this case. So I would just, uh, you know, listen for the news. It's lifeandhope.com, lifeandhope.com. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much, Bobby. Have a great day. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. Up next, Father Jonathan Duncan joins us to look at the gospel reading and actually all the readings for the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time this weekend. We're back after this. It's a quarter till. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. John Chrysostom. St. John Chrysostom is probably the most famous Christian preacher in all of history. His name, which is really a nickname, Chrysostom, means golden mouth. It was given to him because of his preaching. People went to Mass just to hear him preach. St. John Chrysostom was a hero, and he taught us how to speak the truth, but also how to live by that truth, even if we're called to live it heroically. Coming up later this morning on More to Life. We'll be taking your calls and helping you celebrate the life you were meant to live. Tune in to More to Life, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central on EWTN Radio. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 minutes before the hour, here's Anna with headlines. The White House says Israel has agreed to allow daily pauses in its battle against Hamas so humanitarian aid can reach civilians. Pope Francis met with members of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre yesterday, saying tragedy is unfolding in the very places where our Lord lived. And the U.S. bishops yesterday released a statement of gratitude to mark this week's Pregnancy Help Appreciation Week. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. It's always great each week to catch up with Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston. He's a director of spiritual health at Bon Secours St. Francis Hospital, also works in school and campus ministry. Father, good morning. Good to be with you, Matt. So we got some intense stuff coming up uh, this weekend for uh, the readings at Mass. Uh, we're going to be looking 
at, among other things, some foolish and wise virgins. We're also going to hear some stuff that really kind of points us uh, towards the Feast of Christ the King coming up, some some more kind of apocalyptic, apocalyptic stuff in First Thessalonians. Uh, what are some of the things that you want to point out uh, as you look ahead to the readings for this weekend? Yeah, so this weekend, you know, we've got a very um, end-timesy vibe to the readings, um, which is not, it's not surprising. Um, many of our, our listeners may not know that originally Advent was actually uh, longer than it is, and the, and the old name for Advent was St. Martin's Lent, um, and it would extend into uh, November beyond the traditional four Sundays that we, that we know now. And so you begin to notice in the month of November, uh, even before we get to Advent, a shift towards, as you said, Christ the King, towards the culmination of all things, you know, we don't like thinking of the end of the world so much as, as the end of this uh, broken, wounded, sin-tainted uh, generation, and then the coming of Christ as, as King and Ruler. So we're going we're gonna to hear on Sunday from First Thessalonians. Paul is writing to, to a group of, of Christians who are beginning to worry that the Lord has, has been delayed, in coming, you know, many believe that the Lord, <clears throat> the Lord would come uh, relatively soon after His ascension, and He's He's writing to these Christians to let them know that regardless of when that end comes, those who have died before the end, before His return, before His coming in glory, they're not going to be missing out on His kingdom. So, it, as best we can tell, that was the fear, right? What's going to happen to my relatives who have died? who are waiting for the second coming of Jesus, are they going to somehow be left out? And Paul says, absolutely not. In fact, we're not going to precede those who have fallen asleep. And we hear that, that famous line that at the, at the cry of the archangel, at the trumpet sound, the dead in Christ will rise, and we too will be caught up with them. That's so important. Remember, this was something of a revolutionary teaching uh, for the Greeks, um, around in, in, in Paul's day, you really there, there was no real hope of future bodily life. Your soul might live on uh, in the underworld, in a sort of gloomy state. But in terms of your body, there was no real future. And yet within Judaism, we have the Pharisees uh, who maintained a tradition of there was going to be at some point in the future a resurrection. And of course, the Christian gospel is that that resurrection began with the Lord Jesus, and that ultimately one day at his return, all of creation uh, will be resurrected, some to glory, some to a fulfillment of, of happiness and joy, and others a resurrection um, that's centered around what they have chosen to put at the center of their life. Uh, and that will be a resurrection of sorrow and sadness. So I think just emphasizing the, the resurrection as the distinctly Christian vision. You know, our vision of the end is not simply I escape my body and my soul kind of wafts up to an ethereal heaven, but rather that Christ will return and the whole creation, every atom of this created universe will be transformed to greet him in joy and will have a new heaven and a new earth. 
That's the Christian hope. We say it in the creed every Sunday. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. That's what we're longing for, hoping for. Well, and we even hear in the scriptures that all creation is groaning for it. Uh, you know, all That's creation, right. as you as you mentioned. You know, I had uh, an interesting conversation, you know, over at the Coming Home Network. We don't just work with people like you who used to be pastors and other traditions who become Catholic. We work with people who are like Christian school teachers who also lose their jobs sometimes when they become Catholic because they got to sign one of those pledges. And uh, yep. talk with, Statement of faith, yep. She had to stay, sign the statement of faith, but some of the questions that started popping up about her and you know what her real allegiances were happened uh, around the fact that she had said something about the resurrection of the body, and a couple of her Baptist students kind of freaked out because their whole thing was like, you know, what what are you talking about? The resurrection of the body? That sounds like some weird pagan thing. And she's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, do you not believe in the like? This is a historic Christian belief. I thought everybody believed this, and it turns out that in her world that somebody didn't, and that was kind of one of those first trigger moves that she might be like some sort of a closet Catholic. Uh, there are a lot of Christians who don't realize that this is the promise. Absolutely. You know, the way many Christians talk, and I have to say many Catholics as well, um, you know, whenever we use language that's exclusively, uh, you know, I just want to, you know, make sure my soul is in heaven. And that's coming from a, a good place, a good desire, but that's not your ultimate hope. Your ultimate hope, N.T. Wright has a great line. He says, you know, um, he says, heaven is great, but it's, it's not the end of the world, meaning the end of the world, the, the purpose of the world is to be transformed, is heaven to come to earth and transform all this created order away from looking like sin and death, away from being a place of sorrow and sadness. You know, the famous line from 1 Thessalonians that, that is interpreted by many evangelical Christians as referring to the rapture, you know, that we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Well, what we forget about that image, that's an image of people coming out to meet a conquering king. So imagine you lived in a village in the ancient world, and your king had just won a decisive battle, and he comes to visit you. Well, you're going to go out of the city gates and greet him, but then what are you going to do? You're going to bring him into the city. So when we are, in the language of Paul, when we're going to be taken up, caught up to meet the Lord in the air, that's Paul's way of saying our emperor, the true emperor, not the one in Rome, not the ancient Roman emperor, but the true savior, the true king, is going to come, having been victorious over death, over Satan, over all our enemies— and he's going to come, and we're going to be so enraptured, so joyful. We're going to go, we're going to be taken up to greet him as he comes to the earth to bring peace, as the psalmist describes. Yeah, this isn't the verse that usually gets the rapture folks in, into the wacky territory. It's when they start saying, and so this is going to happen, and then there's going to be seven years of lots of weird plagues, and then there's going to be yep. a thousand years. Like, yeah, people go into all kinds of crazy territory. Or somehow Jesus is going to come back, and we're not going to notice it. We're not going to notice. I think we'll notice. I'm we'll pretty notice. sure we'll notice. Father Jonathan Duncan, have a great weekend. That wraps it up for the Sunrise Morning Show. Get to Mass. It's going to be a great one. we got some great readings coming up here as we head into Advent, which is only a little ways away. Like Next week's our last full week before Thanksgiving week. But we'll be here for you as much as we can. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.
Ryan Lopez here. You know, making a positive impact on the world starts with making a difference in your local community. Every day, thousands of people invite Sacred Heart Radio into their homes, cars, and places of work. And because of this, they can go out into their communities, strengthened by the gospel message and ready to spread the love of God. This is all made possible because of the generous support of listeners like you. And if you want to make a difference locally to change the world globally, visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate. Thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The Twin Dental Doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Gate of Heaven Cemetery, serving the Archdiocese of Cincinnati for 76 years. They extend their heartfelt thanks to the community for entrusting Gate of Heaven to assist them during their time of sorrow. Share the gift of gratitude with your loved ones this Thanksgiving by attending a pre-planning seminar November 21st at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. More information at 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. I'm Deacon Bill Mullaney from Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Friday, the 10th of November, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O wisdom of God, through you all things were made. Remake the human race in God's own image. O wisdom of God, you are the light by which we see. Shine on the paths we are to walk this day. O wisdom of God, you are the truth by which we live. Pour out upon us all the gift of true discernment. O wisdom of God, you speak through all the wise. Make wise all who study, preach, and teach your word. 
God our Father, you inspired in St. Leo an abiding love for your word and sacraments. Through his intercession, continue to nourish your people from this fountain of life, rising from the heart of Jesus Christ, our rock, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Pope St. Leo the Great, pray for us. And a happy feast day to all the Leos listening this morning. And by that, I don't mean people born in the summer. I mean, if your name is actually Leo, happy feast day to you. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman has sports. We'll continue our series on English history with Joseph Pierce, who wrote some great stuff about English history that we've been diving in and going through. Father Philip Michael Tangora will discuss the Tome of Leo, one of the most famous writings of Pope St. Leo the Great. Catherine Fishlock will be in studio with us. Also, Father Hezekiah Carnazzo to look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The White House says Israel will be allowing daily pauses in its battle against Hamas so that humanitarian aid can reach civilians. Deputy Press Secretary Olivia Dalton told reporters yesterday the four-hour pauses will also allow people in northern Gaza to head south to safer areas. President Biden told reporters yesterday there is no chance of a full ceasefire at this time, but he is optimistic about efforts to free the hostages being held by Hamas. Meanwhile, northern Gaza has been under heavy bombardment by Israeli forces Four hospitals were reportedly bombed overnight, resulting in what appeared to be multiple casualties. Israel's military claims Hamas operates a command center at one of those hospitals, including entrances to its tunnel network, and that they had ordered the hospital to evacuate before striking. Pope Francis has said tragedy is unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived, as he met yesterday with members of the equestrian order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. We are sadly witnessing Pope Francis says a tragedy unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived, where he taught us through his humanity to love, to forgive, and to do good to all. And instead, the Holy Father warns, we see them torn apart by tremendous suffering that affects so many innocents. Above all, so many innocent are dead. With these words, Pope Francis expressed his sorrow for the situation in the Holy Land. The Holy Father reaffirmed to the Order's members his spiritual closeness to them, acknowledging that they live their consultation, sharing the great sorrow of the Mother Church of Jerusalem and imploring the gift of peace. The Pope extended his sentiments of gratitude and esteem to all the members of the Order scattered throughout the world. He recalled that they gather in Rome for their consultation and to discuss the important theme of formation. The Pope urged them to let the crucified and risen Christ embrace their work in life through charity, prayer, and service to others. He called on them to be attentive to the realities in which they operate, always focusing on the integral well-being of the human person. The Holy Father called on them to be an order which, strong in its own identity, participates in the mystery of charity in the most beautiful way. This, he said, can be lived out through educating children in schools and in concrete solidarity with the most fragile, such as the elderly, the sick, and refugees. Concluding, the Pope prayed for those suffering from the tragic events happening in the Holy Land. May the Virgin Mary, the Holy Father, prayed, invoked by you with the title Queen of Palestine, assist you always in your mission. Regina de la Palestina, vi assista sempre 
nella vostra missione. From my heart, he said, I bless you and I bless all the members of the order and their families. I'm Deborah Castellano Lubov. Republican Congressman Brad Wenstrup says he will not be running for re-election in 2024. Wenstrup represents Ohio's 2nd Congressional District, which includes Adams, Brown, Claremont, Highland, and Clinton counties. Wenstrup has served in the House of Representatives since 2013. In a video released last night, he said his job in D.C. has kept him from his family and that he is ready to change that. The world's largest bank has been hit by a cyber attack, forcing it to trade using a flash drive. The New York office of the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China was hit with a ransomware attack yesterday, making it unable to clear U.S. Treasury trades. Mortgage rates are down in the biggest drop since last year. Lisa Taylor has more. The 30-year fixed rate mortgage went down to 7.5% this week, down from a quarter of a percentage point from the week before. That's according to data from Freddie Mac. It's the second straight week rates have gone down after rising for seven weeks in a row. I'm Lisa Taylor. And the Sisters of Life are declaring victory after the state of New York agreed to abide by a court order saying it cannot demand access to the religious order's sensitive internal documents. The Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty defended the sisters after the state passed a law in June of 2022 that targeted life-affirming pregnancy centers for government investigation. 8.06 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. Let's uh, get to football news. Last night's football game. Didn't have two uh, really good teams, but at least uh, had a decent I was going to say, this is like... Not too bad. What 16 a, to 13 This is your score. lead sports story. Deontay Foreman scored a go-ahead touchdown, and uh, that helped the Bears Me. improve to 3-7 and seven on the year. While Where, the what Panthers, are the Panthers there at? Panthers dropped one to 1-8. 1-8. Eight. and, eight. One and w- eight. Worst news for the Panthers, if they get, the, you know, if they finish dead last in the season... The Bears get their first overall pick because they, they already traded it away. So. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, unless that's, you're a Panther fan. Well, I mean, that's hilarious to All me. All right. Uh, other news. I got uh, college hoops tonight. Ohio State Buckeyes take on number 19, Texas A&M. So season gets going pretty early. Other local teams are in action. Xavier plays Jacksonville. Dayton takes on uh, Northwestern. Cincinnati visits Detroit Mercy. <laughs> But uh, we do have uh, Joseph Pierce on the line, and Joseph Pierce made quite the statement last uh, last Friday. Do you remember this, Anna? Oh, yeah, that Chelsea was going to win over Tottenham Hotspur. Well, I'll, I I don't want to bury the, the lead, which I've already done. Uh, yeah, Joseph started what? with the Bears and Panthers. Should have started with Different Joseph. kind of football. Joseph, uh, why don't you tell us what happened on uh, Monday Night Football in your neck of the woods? Well, maybe. Joseph, are you there? Did you not Uh-oh. get Joseph on the air? Uh-oh. Paul. Oh, oh no. No. Uh, no. Paul, call him back. I'll call him back. Give me. Why don't we do uh, traffic and weather, and then uh, we'll come back here. Traffic okay. is a service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Why don't you take it away? Call him fast, because I have, like, nothing to report traffic-wise. There is um a slight... Slight slowdown. You hear me going real slow. A slight <laughs> slowdown on westbound 275 going through the construction from Turkey Foot 
over toward Mineola Pike. But um, other than that, oh, okay. Here's another thing. You're just searching. I'm just searching around. I'm like, okay, I'm going to click on every. I don't know if anybody's ever gone to the traffic maps that they have, but you know, there's like these little diamonds and they're colored. Yellow means construction. This is so like, this is such a Friday conversation. Yellow means construction. <laughs> Orange can be like a disabled vehicle or like an accident that's on like a shoulder or something. And then red, it's the red diamonds that I'm particularly looking for. But right now I just clicked on it orange diamond oh my gosh <laughs> so the left shoulder blocked on the ramp of i-75 north to westbound <clears throat> 74 and it's actually not causing any problems at all well so. here, here's a sports thing that i know a lot of our listeners will want to hear is that molar plays mason tonight Ooh, in the yeah. semifinals Ooh, good point yeah elders out Elders, Elders out. Elders, Elders out. out. So, so is St. X. Molar beats St. X last yeah, week. I kind of yeah. forgot about that. And then Princeton's playing Lakota West? I... Yes. This for the semifinals. So Paul, whoever gotta... wins these games. That's correct. Look this up. This yeah. is what people care this about is what... right now. Not so... bears and panthers. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Get the high school football going. I... <laughs> Not well, to tell you how to do your job, Paul, right, you but, know, do yeah. your job. but do your well, job. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I was, uh, like, I, I was even trying to toss across the pond because I was I was focused on that Chelsea-Tottenham game, and uh, I embarrassingly didn't have Joseph on the line. I think we have Joseph on the line. Joseph, can you give us a recap of that game? Uh, yes, I can. So I said, well, the record said that Chelsea would have been 3-2, not believing at the moment, but I thought we'd lose ignominiously. And Chelsea ended up winning 4-1. An astonishing game. But actually, there were five goals disallowed. So if you count those in, it was Chelsea 7, Tottenham 3. Wow. <laughs> so it was an amazing game. Two, two Tottenham players were sent red carded, were sent off violent conduct. It was a... It was a local derby with a lot of lot of tension and niggle, and uh, it was great fun to watch. I I, I watched the the whole rerun uh, of it. I was so oh, so Joseph, excited. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, we're glad. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Definitely glad. Uh, you know, we Joseph it has up. Chelsea uh, shield cufflinks. I've seen them. <laughs> I don't know how often he wears them. Probably. Wow. Do you wear Man. those to every every event, Joseph? Uh, alas, I've got very few shirts these days that allow for the use of cufflinks. Well, so I just saw, Joseph, I just saw you're going to have a new show on EWTN about the great books. And um, I'm wondering if you wear your Chelsea cufflinks. No, no? I, it's, possible, it's possible I've worn my Chelsea tie once or twice. Okay. You'll have, you'll have you to be back closely. to me if you see it. We'll watch closely <laughs> for your wardrobe because that's why we tune in. Not at all. Not at all. Anyway. Matt, you want to get in on this now? You're the <laughs> no, one. No, I just want to hear more of your just uh, gripping traffic Kibitzing. report yeah. about the uh, pothole next to the Perkins. <laughs> on, uh, I was just Avenue trying to buy Park. time for Paul to get Joseph on the air. We got it. We got him. We got him. Take it away, Matt. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Joseph Pierce, visiting prof of literature at Ave Maria University. He's also visiting fellow of Thomas More College of Liberal Arts, the Augustine Institute, and St. Austin Review also have his materials. But I say go to jpierce.co and you'll find everything that you're looking for. Joseph, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So we were talking about Mary Tudor last time around. I kind of wanted to save this next part of her story for its own segment. How did things start going bad for the Catholic Queen and uh, eventually slide it all back to the other side? 
Well, um, what began to go wrong, basically, from the perspective of, of retrospect, should we say, looking at looking back on it, um, was, was the fact that uh, the, the, the England was descending towards anarchy, that the Protestants were a minority in the country, that the estimates were not more than about 12% of the population, but they had much more power than that, than that suggests because their power centres were amongst the aristocracy who had, uh, who had taken the church land under Henry VIII, and in the southeast of London, England, particularly London, so they had more power than their numbers would suggest. And basically, England was was, was um, declining, descending into a state of anarchy and, and near civil war. So, urged by her Privy Council, which is basically like her Parliament. Um, the Queen began uh, a campaign against heretics, which included the burning of 300 uh, heretics. So that's where her reputation as Bloody Mary comes from is the fact that she succumbed to this practice, which none of us can endorse. Uh, what I always say is that our Lord came to be crucified for our sins, not to crucify us for them. And I think that's, that's the sort of model we should be pursuing uh, in, in, in tackling uh, error and heresy, um, not not to persecute our enemies, but to to um, to suffer. But of course, we do have to keep order if we're government. So I, I think she was justified. She could have been justified in imprisoning those who were trying to bring disorder or exiling. But really, uh, you know, burning people at stake is barbaric. Uh, it really is, and it all it does, as we know, in every conflict that has uh, sprung up since the age of social media. All you got to do is take one picture or video of the other side doing something bad, and then you can justify anything that you do in response. It does, I mean, it's a cycle. It's it's very much a cycle. Uh, but what you also see is that whoever's got the most power gets to often control, you know, what the story is. And the, there's this story also of, you know, England may have had this sort of interesting imbalance of Catholics to Protestants, but England is not very far from the continent where the whole thing is going insane, and there's Protestantism all over the place. So it wouldn't take long for someone to go somewhere else to rally some sort of support support, and put together a plot to figure out how to get this in the other direction. Yeah, and I think that's the price you have to pay. Basically, you have to win through love and reason. So you have to act charitably. You have to follow, you have to follow the example of Jesus Christ. You have to act charitably and then use the power of sound philosophy and theology to win the arguments uh, that, are, that are being held there during the, during the Reformation. So, yes, you send people to exile. They then, they then form a faction that, that, that um, uh, causes people in Europe to... to rip up hatred against England, and, and they start importing propaganda. Well, that's something you have to live with, right? Not least because, as you quite rightly say, Matt, you know, apart from the fact it's wrong anyway to, 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 to burn people at the stake and we can't use evil means to a good end, it doesn't actually succeed, it's even in a Machiavellian sense. It doesn't achieve its goal because, as you quite rightly say, um, it makes martyrs of people. And the John, John Fox's Book of Martyrs, which, which writes about these Protestant martyrs during the reign of uh, Mary Tudor, was a, a great tool for propaganda for the Protestant side for, for centuries afterwards. Well, from centuries afterwards, all the way up to when I was working at the Family Christian Store in Lexington, Kentucky in the late 90s through the early 2000s, the only history we had on our evangelical Protestant bookstore shelves in regard to martyrdom was Fox's Book of Martyrs. We didn't have stories of 
the Ugandan martyrs, right? We didn't have stories of the martyrs of Vietnam, right? Uh, the martyrs of Korea, uh, all these extraordinary Catholic heroes throughout the generations and throughout the world. We had one volume. We had Fox's Book of Martyrs, and it was the whole perspective, right? And if you only read Fox, Fox's Book of Martyrs, I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar, what you get is, you know, uh, the Apostles, Polycarp, one, two, skip a few. Mary Tudor is killing everybody. I mean, that's kind of what you get. Yeah, and again, at the balance, you mentioned, of course, Ugandan martyrs and martyrs from other parts of the world. But we need to remember the English martyrs. So John, uh, John Fish was Thomas More, 40 canonized in English martyrs, mostly during the reign of Elizabeth I, uh, Mary Tudor's successor. So, no, so, Mary, so Elizabeth I gets sort of carte blanche because of the history written by the victors. Um, and she's not known as bloody Bess, which she should be, but Mary is known as bloody Mary. This is obviously bias. Um, there, there, there are many, many Catholic martyrs for over 150 years. Um, the, you know, the Protestants had to, had to endure, endure just a, a few short years. Uh, under the reign of Mary Tudor, the, Eng the, the English Catholics had to endure 150 years of ex not just persecution, but execution. Well, it doesn't, it's not just an issue on the international stage uh, or when it comes to a civil war. Uh, even in just regular relationships, if you spend time pointing out uh, which things that the other person did worse— <laughs> You know, over and over again, you're not going to keep any kind of relationship. And so we know that that's not the world's greatest way to uh, to come to reconciliation and to, and to figure out how to move ahead. But it turns out that when Mary when Mary's reign ends, we get into that terrible territory that we're going to discuss soon. But how does Mary's reign end? Well, she dies, she dies, she dies uh, tragically young. And to be fair to her, Although you know, following following the, uh, the the advice of her privy council of her advisors, she took that 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 step of of, of uh, executing uh, Protestant heretics. Uh, uh, you know, although that obviously is something we don't want to endorse, absolutely, she did live a very pious life. Her faith was at the centre of her life. Um, and you know, to, to, uh, she she basically was a good woman, a good queen. Which uh, apart from this act, which again we can keep saying we're not endorsing, but you know that she tried to practice what she preached. She tried to give back the church property, which we discussed last week. Um, she she put her faith in Jesus Christ above her worldly power. None of which could be said of either her father Henry VIII or her younger sister, half-sister, uh, Elizabeth I. So, you know, we, 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 yes, she has a tarnished reputation, and quite rightly so, but is she as black or as bloody as, as history would make her? No, seeing things in the full context of what's happening at the time, she's at least no worse than uh, her father and her half-sister, and I would actually say considerably less worse. Well, things get inflated and conflated and exaggerated, and history, again, is written by the people who want you to do certain things in a certain way. And our particular history in the United States uh, has picked up the thread from the uh, very empire we seceded from in the American Revolution in a lot of ways, uh, including this part of the narrative about Bloody Mary. But, Joseph Pierce, if our listeners want to get your book, Faith of Our Fathers, or find any of the other resources that you've been working on, how do they do so? Yeah, the best one-stop place to go to keep up with what I'm doing and what I'm writing and what I'm saying and what have you is jpearce.co, J-P-E-A-R-C-E.co. Linked, as always, at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you, Joseph. Have a wonderful day. 
My pleasure. God bless you, man. We're back with traffic and weather right after this. Anna Mitchell's going to tell you more about what potholes she may have found in various neighborhoods in the tri-state. It's 20 past. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith. And Andrea Picciotti Beer will discuss possible laws that would make misgendering a crime. Father Robert Nixon will share his translation of Albert the Great's Paradise of the Soul. I'll reflect on the feast of Pope St. Leo the Great, plus frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to praise the king. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine, handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. All deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. Young adults, have you thought about God's calling for your life? We invite you to consider consecrating your life to God as a member of the Catholic Corps. Dedicate your life to prayer and enjoy living in community with like-minded Catholics. Support families through helping host events and spreading the message of total consecration to Jesus through Mary in union with St. Joseph. Visit the Catholic Corps Consecrated Communities for one week this spring and fall. Sign up today at afc.org cc. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. 22 minutes past the hour now, and this pothole report is a service of... Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. If you have a pothole to complain about, contact Matt Swain because I don't know of any right now. And I don't see any accidents or backups anywhere on the interstates right now either. So enjoy the ride on this day off for yeah. many kids at school. That's why Ryan Lopez is here so yeah. early. Speaking of day off for the kids, I know Anthony, Lorenzo, Sienna, and Catherine are all listening through uh, Alexa and Sacred nice. Heart Radio. So good morning. Hey, guys. Good morning. It's Mrs. Egan there. All right. Weather, it's going to be a nice uh, three-day weekend here in Cincinnati today. Clouds early, but they will clear in the afternoon. We'll have a high of 61 today. Tonight, mostly clear, chilly temperatures with a low of 33 and tomorrow, mostly sunny, cooler temperatures as well with a high of 54. For the Miami Valley Dayton area today, it will be partly to mostly sunny with a high of 61. Clear skies tonight, low near 32. And tomorrow, mostly sunny skies with a high of 49. And now pray with me the prayer for Ohio. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community and awaken in every heart all for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children 
May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray Pray for for us. Father Philip Michael Tangora joins us next. It's 25 past. Let there be light are the first words that God spoke in the Bible. But even though we chose the darkness of sin, Father Rob Jack reflects on how God overcame the darkness by sending us the light of the world for Sacred Heart Radio's Christmas newsletter. And to bring the light of the world to everyone, use the QR card that we sent so everyone can download the Sacred Heart Radio app. Then on Wednesday, December 6th, local Catholics will prove to those pushing to silence pro-life radio that we are an immovable Force by raising $60,000 during Sacred Heart Radio's Advent Pledge Drive. And with our Pledge Drive on the Feast of St. Nicholas, you'll meet the big man himself that delivered the Sunrise Morning Show on video. You'll also read how we're planning to sweeten the deal when Sacred Heart Radio visits your parish, along with the updated program schedule and more. To receive the Christmas newsletter with the QR card, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Newsletter Sign Up. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence on Erie Highway in Hamilton. RoseAutomotiveGroup.com. Father Philip Michael Tangora is joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a pastor, a canon lawyer, and author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Anna. So we are talking about a letter written by Pope St. Leo the Great, known simply as Leo's Tome. Uh, first of all, can you just give us a sense of the history here? What is the context in which he wrote this tome? Okay, so the Council of Chalcedon was called to debate and help clarify the two natures of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as being divine and human, 100% God, 100% human, true God and true man, which was first expressed in the councils of Nicaea and Constantinople with the Nicene-Constantinopolitan Creed, where we say true God and true man, right? 
But this uh, has been continuously debated, and it had arisen again with issues over Arianism, Nestorianism, and then Monerganism, which said that there was only one force, one will, or one energy within God. Again, going back to the whole debate over the two natures of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Leo wrote a dogmatic letter and it was admitted as part of the acts of the Council of Chalcedon and that dealt with the definition of how these two natures uh, in Jesus ha are related to each other. And that's where, we, at the Council of Chalcedon, we see the definition of the hypostatic union of the two natures, divine and human, being united in the singular divine person of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. So this is a very significant document, and this is, uh, that carries great dogmatic value to the, for the Church even to today. And there are some incredible lines in this that I, before we get into, because we're going to be talking about the virgin birth specifically, but I just want you to reflect on, on this line first, Father Phil, because we can't talk about his tome without, without mentioning this. He says, he's talking about, um, well, he's writing to someone. He says he might at least have listened attentively to that general and uniform confession, whereby the whole body of the faithful confess, he's talking about the creed here, that they believe in God, the Father Almighty, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. And Leo goes on to write, by which three statements, the devices of almost all heretics are overthrown. What an incredible statement. Yes, it is. I mean, he's showing how that simple statement makes it clear that if he is born of the Holy Spirit, he is true God. If he is born of the Blessed Virgin Mary, then he is truly man. And that just overthrows Arianism, Nestorianism, Monarganism, all of those different kinds of heresies that would emphasize or deny one or the other nature. But let's and it just makes this. it very clear. Sure. Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, it makes it so simple, and yet there is so much more that, that we can go to to prove what Leo is saying there. So we're going to look to the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary. How does he look to her role to prove this? Why does her virginity matter in this? The virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary is one of the greatest defenses of the divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because obviously we know he was born of her, and therefore there is a human nature, since he is born of a totally and only human person, the Blessed Virgin Mary. But the fact that it was a virgin birth, that both the conception of Christ occurred virginally, there was no desires of the flesh, there was no sexual activity at all of the Blessed Virgin Mary, shows the divine origin, but then also in the actual in part two virginity. So when Mary was giving birth, it was miraculous because she remains physically integral. This is very important. 
to emphasize the fact that the virgin birth did not in any way diminish her physical integrity of being a virgin. And you might say, well, no one considers physical integrity as necessary toward virginity anymore because something could happen without it involving sexual activity. However, in the Hebrew law, it would have been an a lack of virginity because physical integrity was required. Mm. And so the fact that this physical integrity is maintained and that in no way Jesus diminishes her physical integrity is proof of whose birth it is, that it is God who is being born here and not merely a human birth, but a divine and human birth. And, well, it's not like... God just kind of came up with this, you know, thousands of years after the fall of man, right? I mean, uh, Leo takes us back to to the prophets in the Old Testament to even further bolster this argument. Exactly, because he's showing how the fulfillment of all the laws and prophecies are occurring through the birth, the virginal birth, going back to Isaiah and going back that the virgin shall conceive and give birth. Well, this is very clear. It has to be a virgin birth. That's how it is going to be the fulfillment of the law and the prophecies. And so this it becomes such a fulfilling message that it is a virgin birth. And I think it's so important because we've really lost a sense of the virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary that expresses the fact that this is a miraculous birth. This, that there is no labor pains. That horrible movie, The Nativity, where she's screaming and yelling, is absolute heresy. Thank you for bringing that up. I would like to close uh, with uh, with just a couple of lines here that I think um, just sum it all up. Leo writes, the nativity of the flesh was the manifestation of human nature. The childbearing of a virgin is proof of divine power. The infancy of a babe is shown in the humbleness of its cradle. The greatness of the Most High is proclaimed by the angels' voices. He whom Herod treacherously endeavors to destroy is like ourselves in our earliest stage. But he whom the Magi delight to worship on their knees is the Lord of all. It's just an incredible document from Pope St. Leo the Great. We've been talking about it with Father Philip Michael Tangora. We've got Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Phil, thank you so much. God bless you and have a wonderful feast of St. Leo the Great. You do the same, Father. Thank you very much. All right, it's 35 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. The White House says Israel is allowing daily pauses in its battle against Hamas so that humanitarian aid can reach civilians. These will be four-hour pauses daily, which can allow, the White House says, people in northern Gaza to head south to safer areas. President Biden told reporters yesterday there's no chance of a full ceasefire at this time. And in fact, northern Gaza has been under heavy bombardment by Israeli forces targeting Hamas. Four hospitals were reportedly bombed overnight, resulting in what appeared to be multiple casualties. Israel's military claims Hamas was operating a command center at one of these hospitals, including entrances to its tunnel network, and said they had ordered the hospital to evacuate 
before striking. Pope Francis met with members of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre yesterday, saying tragedy is unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. We are sadly witnessing Pope Francis says a tragedy unfolding in the very places where the Lord lived, where he taught us through his humanity to love, to forgive, and to do good to all. And instead, the Holy Father warns, we see them torn apart by tremendous suffering that affects so many innocents. Above all, so many innocent are dead. With these words, Pope Francis expressed his sorrow for the situation in the Holy Land. The Holy Father reaffirmed to the Order's members his spiritual closeness to them, acknowledging that they live their consultation, sharing the great sorrow of the Mother Church of Jerusalem and imploring the gift of peace. The Pope extended his sentiments of gratitude and esteem to all the members of the Order scattered throughout the world. He recalled that they gather in Rome for their consultation and to discuss the important theme of formation. The Pope urged them to let the crucified and risen Christ embrace their work in life through charity, prayer, and service to others. He called on them to be attentive to the realities in which they operate, always focusing on the integral well-being of the human person. The Holy Father called on them to be an order which, strong in its own identity, participates in the mystery of charity in the most beautiful way. This, he said, can be lived out through educating children in schools and in concrete solidarity with the most fragile, such as the elderly, the sick, and refugees. Concluding, the Pope prayed for those suffering from the tragic events happening in the Holy Land. May the Virgin Mary, the Holy Father, prayed, invoked by you with the title Queen of Palestine, assist you always in your mission. Regina de la Palestina, vi assista sempre nella vostra missione. From my heart, he said, I bless you, and I bless all the members of the order and their families. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Republican Congressman Brad Wenstrup says he will not be running for re-election in 2024. Wenstrup represents Ohio's 2nd Congressional District. He's been in the U.S. House of Representatives since 2013. In a video released last night, he said his job in D.C. has kept him from his family, and he's ready to change that. The U.S. bishops yesterday released a statement of gratitude to mark this week's Pregnancy Help Appreciation Week. Bishop Michael Burbage said, quote, The U.S. Bishops Pro-Life Committee has consistently called for radical solidarity with mothers in need. We commend pregnancy help centers for living this call of radical solidarity with selfless persistence, and we encourage prayers for this life-saving ministry. Cheers to that. 8.38 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. We will start with Bengals news. How about this? Bengals are uh, getting some encouraging status report for their star wide receiver, Jamar Chase. He told the media that he's mentally prepared to play in uh, the Week 10 matchup against the Houston Texans at Paycor Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Bad news is uh, T. Higgins, he was uh, not practicing yesterday at all with a hamstring injury. Cincinnati riding a four-game winning streak and is tied for second in the AFC North. Regional semifinal, Molar Crusaders battled the upset-minded Mason Comets. Mason took down Milford last week, also in action. How about Baden? Baden takes on Wapakoneta. Baden trying to keep their undefeated season alive. Thursday night football, Bears beat the Panthers 16-13. to How about college hoops tonight? Ohio State in action. They tip off against 19th-ranked Texas A&M. Xavier, Ohio, or Xavier, Cincinnati, and Dayton 
also in action tonight as well. That's a check in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Sacred Heart Radio volunteers. Wednesday, December 6th is our Advent Pledge Drive, and we need volunteers to answer phones from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. that day. If you can help, even for an hour, call 513-731-7740 or visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. We need your help to raise $60,000 on Wednesday, December 6th. If you can answer phones anytime that day, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery. And he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Sunrise Morning Show music teacher joining us now here in studio, Catherine Fishlock, professional singer, musician, and teacher, of course. Catherine, it's good to see you. It's nice to be here. So we are going to talk about preparing for Advent today, which folks might be like, what? Are you kidding me? We're in November. (laughs) But actually, Advent is getting close, and this is a good time for a a choir director or a a pastor to implement some new things during Mass because, liturgically speaking, the first Sunday of Advent is like New Year's Day, isn't it? Well, the first Sunday of Advent is the Sunday after Thanksgiving weekend. Mm -hmm. Christ the King. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, so so Advent, you know, is it's, it's like the Catholic New Year kind of, right? Mm-hmm. The beginning of the liturgical year, so everything turns over. Um, and I think of Advent as a wonderful time to kind of, uh, I don't know, freshen things up, not just for freshen the, not just for the sake of changing things, but for as an opportunity to maybe put some things in place that, uh, that would be good to have anyway, you know, put them in place during Advent and then keep them. Yeah, yeah. I've been to a parish the my my parish um, celebrates mass ad orientum and that was implemented on the first Sunday of Advent a number of years ago because it was Advent it's a fresh start as mm-hmm. as you were just saying so Catherine I mean obviously there are things in place now that prevent parishes from doing something like that you know ad orientum worship mm-hmm. sadly but um, there are other things that can be done to to have a more um, a, a liturgy more in touch with with our tradition as mm-hmm. Catholics. So, mm-hmm. what would be your New Year's resolution for parish music? What would you suggest that parishes start doing on the first Sunday of Advent? My biggest suggestion would be to introduce to the parish the the introit, otherwise known as the entrance antiphon. To introit the introit. 
right intro the, you know the, the introduction intro. the you know it's yeah. and it is and the thing about these um these proper antiphons there's been a lot of conversation about this you know kicking around the last oh eight or ten years or so with parishes starting to uh, to reintroduce them. They've always been there. These texts mm-hmm. have always been there. They're in the place of the, well, the introit, the entrance antiphon, which is the first official printed text of that Sunday. It's not something that is arbitrary or that you can choose. It's not like a hymn. You can mm-hmm. choose whichever Advent hymn you'd like to put there. That's 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 different for hymnody. But so the, these texts are actually given to us by Holy Mother Church. And the beautiful texts of the four Sundays of Advent are very, um, they're very, they're, they're progressively anticipating oh, the yeah. Lord. And they're, they're so beautiful. And they really help us um, keep a sort of, sort of keep our hearts beating with the heart of Holy Mother Church as we approach Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, and I just think they're so important. I think the introit all throughout the year is important, but Advent I think is a is a really perfect time. You know, maybe for pastors to to preach on what what is that? What are they? What are these texts? What is their purpose? Mm-hmm. And then to uh, kind of prepare your parish, talk to your music director, get uh, be ready to start on yes. the first Sunday of Advent. Absolutely, the catechesis portion of this is so important. I think mm-hmm. because um, you want your parishioners to be aware of what they're going to notice if mm-hmm. there's something new. And you don't want them left in the dark, so to speak, right. especially not during Advent because we're trying to, you know, like light the <laughs> yeah. candles, right? We need to to bring the light in um, in greater numbers. Um, can you talk about this from a practical standpoint? Because some people might think, oh, well, then do you have to replace the opening hymn? But that's not how you mm-hmm. did it when you were mm-hmm. choir director at St. Gertrude here in Cincinnati. You had an opening hymn and then did the intro, right? Right. Right, and I think um, you know sometimes I, um, I have encountered in conversations with with music directors or or with priests that they are they want to use the entrance antiphon, but they're they're a little hesitant to for some reason to put it in the right place. And I don't mean that as a you know I'm not oh. trying to be you know derogatory, but I, but it's puzzling to me because um, I've uh, so I've spoken to some music directors where they'll they'll sing they'll sing the introit as part of the prelude music, mm. like the last thing in the oh. prelude. And then there will That's be the entrance the liturgy, hymn. Though. Exactly. Yeah. And so so the the hymn should not trump a text that is actually given to us in the Roman Missal. Yeah. I mean, the, the altar missal, if you open it up to the first Sunday of Advent, that is the first text, that the mm-hmm. antiphon is the first text. So I, what I would do, and what we did at St. Richard's for years, which I thought worked beautifully. I did too. We would have the the entrance procession just as everybody is used to and is beautiful. When the celebrant approached the foot of the altar, right at the right at the before stepping into the sanctuary, he would stop. We would wrap up the hymn, and then as he stepped into the sanctuary, the choir sang the introit. Yeah. And it's really beautiful. It, was it really a, makes it a solemn occasion. Yeah, it's a be- it's kind of like the best of all worlds, right? Because you get your big, beautiful, ad- everybody loves the Advent yes. hymns, right? It doesn't take that away. And there's that sense of, you know, just joy and anticipation. But then the, the change of tone at the introit really focuses everything back down on the altar. It's mm-hmm. like, let's bring everything in now and let's get ready for what we're actually here for. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, you are going to sing for us the introit in English, I believe, for the yes. first Sunday of Advent. Is that yes. right? Right. And that's another thing I wanted to mention. There need be no fear about not about, you know, how do I find these chants in English, right? Yeah. You do not have to expect to introduce them to your parish from the Gregorian Missal. You can, there are, there are many beautiful English settings. Uh, the one that I'm particularly partial to is uh, Adam Bartlett's setting because I like that he, he kind of makes them slightly reminiscent of the actual Roman chant mm. melodies. So if we're ready to go, here's the go first Sunday it. of Advent. Unto you have I lifted up my soul. Oh, my God, I trust in you. Let me not be put to shame. Do not allow my enemies to laugh at me. For none of those who are awaiting you will be disappointed. That's it? That's it. That's and all it is? That's sh- hardly, that there's doesn't a short take much verse, right, It doesn't all. take long at all. And then there's a very short verse, and then you would repeat the antiphon again. Yeah. Okay. And right, so it doesn't take long. Um, and as you see, this beautiful text, right, to the very first words of Advent, unto you have I lifted up my soul, oh mm. my God, I trust in you. I mean, it's it's beautiful. What a beautiful yes. way to start the new liturgical year, start preparing our hearts for for the arrival of the Messiah. Love it. Love it. Very We've been beautiful. talking to Catherine Fishlock. Yes, very, very beautiful. Something to consider if you're a choir director or priest listening right now. And if you'd like Catherine to uh, teach some <laughs> chant to your choir, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and uh, click the contact button. We'll get you in touch with her. Catherine, it was good to see you. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Annie. Good to be here. All right. It's 10 till. We're back right after this. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, a great place to shop for Christmas. From custom-made rosaries, heirloom-quality nativities, books and CDs, to Christ-centered gifts for the kids. St. Michael's Rosaries, online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide, while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. 
Surprise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain along with Anna Mitchell. Uh, so many big things happening this week. Of course, Veterans yeah. Day today, but it would be tomorrow. Uh, so you got all that. Federal holiday. And, uh, of course, we're closing out also. Uh, well, actually, next week will be the last full week before Thanksgiving. Right. Which is insane. That is insane. Uh, and then December 3rd, we get the start of Advent. But uh, don't want to. Don't want to lose in the mix of this that uh, we are closing out also Vocation Awareness Week. Got a great um, short video from the Coming Home Network that I put out this morning that I uh, hope our listeners will get a kick out of. It's uh, posted on our Facebook page. A kick. Get a kick out of it. Okay. Uh, Sister Julia Mary from the Daughters of St. Paul, who also, by the way, will be participating in their Christmas concert. Well, anything with the Daughters of St. Paul, I can see where you would get a kick out of it. So. Yes. Well, their Christmas concert's about to hit here pretty soon, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sister Julia Mary grew up uh, evangelical Protestant. Now, to sum up her story just a very little bit, when she was a kid, uh, she bounced around a bunch of different churches. And um, she and her friend used to go to the library a lot, and they found the Song of Bernadette. And they're like, this is a great story. Um, we should find more mm. books like this. And the library only had so many. And um, then they decided, oh, let's Sacred Heart Church is over there. Let's go check it out. And after having read about Maria Goretti and St. Bernadette and oh, St. Agnes man. or whatever, they're like, looked up and around the windows, and they're like, this is the church all these people go to. Like, oh, wow. there they are. In the anyway, yeah. that's her story. So at, like, age 13, she started to ask if she could become Catholic. And wow. that's how her journey began. And also, uh, she went to a St. Paul bookstore, a Daughters of St. Paul bookstore, and bought all these books about saints and... uh she was with a friend, and of course, the daughter of St. Paul behind the counter said, oh, I see you reading all these books of your saints, you know, seeing these two young girls. She's like, have you ever thought about becoming sisters? And Sister Julia at the time, just regular Julia, was like, I have, but don't you have to be Catholic in order to be a nun? <laughs> and like, yeah, let's get you uh, on that path. Let's so I think she was, <laughs> I think she was, uh, you know, 14 or 15 when she That's came into awesome. the church. Uh, but wow. anyway, she, she tells this story, but um, the video we did with her is kind of her attempt in just four or five minutes to answer some of the big questions that her Protestant relatives ask her because, you know, oh, Catholics this is an have important trouble. one to know ahead of Thanksgiving. Yes. Catholics yeah. have a, enough t- trouble trying to figure out why someone would become a religious sister or a brother or a monk or a priest. Um, but she has even more, you know, kind of quirky conversations with some of her Protestant family members who are like, what are you doing mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with your life? And, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of funny, but you know what she uh, often responds. I might have mentioned this earlier in the week. Uh, is you know I could ask you the same question about where you married like your husband instead of all these other people. Everybody else thinks you're insane and don't nobody sees what you guys see in each other, but you see something in each other, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, you have felt like this is how you're supposed to spend the rest of your life, even if nobody gets it, right? Um, and uh, you know I think we've all been. In, in situations where people are like, I don't understand what you're doing, man, uh, but I hope you're happy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of, in some ways, one of the starting points for her is like, you may not understand what I'm doing, but this is giving me the greatest happiness. Uh, this is me following Christ's call. And as she points out, too, like it's an eschatological vocation. It points to the ultimate union with Christ and his church at the end of all things, and it's mm-hmm. an image of that in the here and now. As is, you know, the priesthood, right? Uh, any kind of vocation that is like that points to the ultimate destiny of the church. Well, and this is what St. Paul talks about in his letters, too, is it not? I mean, talking about celibacy for the kingdom. 
Right? Am I right? You are right. Yeah. But it's also so it's not something about... that would be foreign to no, not at all. Someone that's that's Protestant that knows their Bible anyway. It's only foreign in a post-Reformation society, especially in the United States of America, where Christianity is seen as like an individual pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But in the history of the church, there have been all kinds of consecrated people throughout. It's funny. We talk about this sometimes, uh, you know, internally at the Coming Home Network. Like, I asked Ken Hensley, what would you do if, like, one of your parishioners was like, you know, when you were a Baptist pastor, was like, Pastor Ken, I feel like I'm called to be uh, celibate and give up all my possessions, and I just want to be able to ask the church for support as I live out this lifestyle. Ken would be like, what? You're nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Go to somebody else's church. Wow. <laughs> right? There just wasn't a place for it. Sure. Uh, but there is a place for it. Yeah. In the Catholic Church. And always has been. And always has been. Yeah. Anyway, go check out the video of Sister Julia. She's It's a very fun conversation. It's on our Facebook page at sunrisemorningshow.com. Subscribe to the show notes while you're there. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Where can you read why God replaced his created light with the light of the world? And find out how you can protect pro-life radio. Where can you see the big man that delivered the Sunrise Morning Show on video? And learn how we plan to sweeten the deal when Sacred Heart Radio visits your parish. Plus, get our QR card, the updated program schedule, and more in Sacred Heart Radio's Christmas newsletter. To get it, go to sacredheartradio.com and click newsletter sign up. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Trinity Church Supply, providing church supplies and religious gifts worldwide. From Catholic greeting cards, books, and willow tree to sterling silver medals, rosaries, sacramental gifts, and statues. Trinity Church Supply, 5479 North Bend Road. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 
Bible. This is Father Benedict Kensler, pastor of Our Lady of Victory in Delhi. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at